This is the Friday Breeders' Cup preview show. I'm recording this one uh, early Wednesday morning. Hope everyone's having a a nice week. And the focus for us this week on That's What G Said podcast is going to be Breeders' Cup. Breeders' Cup Friday, Breeders' Cup Saturday. Tons of interviews lined up for you. Um, I'll go through the the Friday undercard races one through five myself. I'll kind of speed through them. Then uh, we will have an interview with Bree Mott from Stable Duel, Director of Marketing there. Then we jump into the Breeders' Cup races for Friday. We're going to talk Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint with Brian Aragoni from Canterbury. We're going to talk Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf with Sean Alvarez. We're going to talk Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies with Ryan Dickey. We're going to talk Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf with Andy Villanueva. And the Breeders' Cup Juvenile with Barry Spears. We'll even give you a... a recap of episode one season two of the mandalorian on disney plus we'll talk about what happened and we will be going through spoilers and everything so if you haven't watched the mandalorian yet make sure uh you want to mute the very end I'll, I'll save that part for the very end the mandalorian recap lots to get into and we'll jump right into the friday undercar before we do gotta talk about old smoke clothing.com and that promo code G-I-N-O which gets you free shipping on your order. Holiday season coming up uh, some of your friends out there family members, loved ones, heck maybe you just want to get yourself a little, get a little gift to put under the uh, the tree come holiday time. OldSmokeClothing.com Horse racing t-shirts hats, hoodies, zip ups all sorts of different horse racing memorabilia. You can get custom designs. You can join the clubhouse there. We're actually going to have an interview coming up with one of the co-founders of Old Smoke on tomorrow's show. Really looking forward to that. You can hear a lot more about this company and why, if you're a horse racing fan, you really should be checking out OldSmokeClothing.com. That promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your order. So let's talk Friday uh, undercard on the... On the Breeders' Cup Friday at Keeneland card. So we're going to get into race number one right away. And you can play an early pick five in the opener there. Uh, A couple horses that I'll be looking to use in the exotics. More time, we are talking Friday, Keeneland, Breeders' Cup undercard, uh, November the 6th, race number one. This is the Nyquist. I think the four-up striker at anything over... Three to one makes a lot of sense in here. I do think he will get bet down, and so if you, you're playing some sort of early pick fives, I'm okay with singling him or maybe just using a, a couple in here. In, in his most recent start, where he took a, a shot against a Grade One company in the Breeders' Futurity, he broke on top on the inside. He actually had the lead early, and you know it was just going a mile and a sixteenth. He got pressed by the eventual winner that day, Essential Quality, who's going to be a major player. In the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, his race is better than it looks on paper. He was still second early in the stretch before fading, and now you get that great turn back in distance from a mile and a sixteenth to six and a half furlongs here. I think that'll have him stalking uh, a little off the pace. It looks like quick tempo will be forwardly paced. That one's pretty quick. The nine to the outside, also a Safa's day has some speed. I'd imagine those two will be showing uh, showing the way. Roderick is also very quick. Um, even Sir Wellington and an upstriker may not be as quick as them and turning back from a mile and a 16th race. I'm hoping he's sitting just off the pace. The one highly motivated, I think makes a lot of sense in here too. I'd prefer him a lot more if he were drawn towards the outside, but he was able to tuck in third, fourth in the two path. He was in between horses. Uh, when he broke his maiden, he was three off. He got shuffled to the inside. He waited, he split horses late and he pulled away 
And that might be a type of trip that he gets here today. So highly motivated will be on my tickets in the early pick five, but I'll have Upstriker on top to get things started. Three horses I'll be looking to to include in some of the exotics in uh, race number two. The four thinking in her debut, she tried the turf. And she was buying a horse named Royal Approval who came out of that race to win and we'll see running uh, in the Breeders' Cup. Thinking then raced on October the 17th, uh, going seven furlongs on the dirt at Keeneland, and she had a good start. She took back off the leading group. She sat fourth about three deep. She was a couple lengths off, and she was always traveling really well. I like that she showed speed. She was able to take back, kind of push button. She won at seven furlongs. She's one of a few horses in here that proves she can pass horses. It looks like Lady Edith has some speed. Off We Go has some speed. Rock's Princess has some speed. Mona Stella, not quite as quick. Joy's Rocket has some speed. Novel Squall has some speed. The the 10 Music City Star has some speed. Kayla's Turn has some speed. I mean, there could be a lot of combinations of horses going to the lead in here. California Lily, another one. I'm looking for the horses who I've seen pass others, and that can come from off the pace. So I'll start with the four thinking. I will also go to the nine, the grass is blue, whose debut race was at Monmouth, was against Maiden Claimers, and then came back in the in the Chad Brown barn, settled towards the, the back, was last after the first quarter, about eight lengths off, moved inside and angled around with a big, wide, sweep, sweeping move and just ran right on by. It was very impressive for the grass is blue, far sighted, had a brutal start from out wide, was you know parked four wide for about half mile, then three deep, and just destroyed a group without really being asked after being parked wide. That was the 11 far sighted. So I'll use four, 11, and nine in race number two. Those will be the three in exotics. And then in race number three, no strong opinion at all. This is just a spread out race for me. There are a lot of horses in here I actually think should run well on the grass that haven't been on it a lot, or I like them on the grass. Enforceable, no wood, Tyshawn. This is just a total spread out race. Pixelate. Fancy Liquor, Spanish Kingdom would all be in the mix for me and probably fighting CB also. Um, I do think there's a good amount of speed, so I'll, I'll, I'll use more horses that I think will be kind of sitting or coming from off the pace, but absolute spread out race for me in the third. Really no strong opinion. In the fourth race, it's not even as much that I love the four into chocolate. I just think she's going to run really well, and I... I'm not all that high on most of the the rest of the field. The two Amy's challenge makes sense. I think she's the quickest. She's drawn down towards the inside. She should be able to get towards the rail, clear the field if she breaks alertly. If not, the horse right next to her, Headland, has enough speed to, to sort of push her, and that could put into chocolate and into a really nice spot. So I'll use the four. We'll use the two. Amy's challenge. I'll be I'd be okay with singling the four into chocolate and some pick fives, um, but two four here. And then as we move to the mile and five eighths, Gray Two Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, the eight is a horse who I thought about singling, and I might on one ticket. Rise the guy. He going going long like this. He should be able to either get the lead or sit really really close and. I've always been a fan of him. He's always shown some ability. He's just he's a little bit quirky. They're trying to figure out what what he really wants to do best. And he's 
you know, probably the most logical winner in this spot. And I wouldn't mind singling him because it won't be like an overwhelming favorite. The other couple horses I would look at in here, the five tenfold, and then the seven signalman, who's at, at least heading in the right direction. I don't know if Signalman wants to go this far. Tenfold it comes out of some of the better races and he has shown that he can run and, and run and run all day. He's just not very consistent and I wouldn't want to take too short of a price on him. Those would be the three for me uh, in race number five. The five, seven, and eight, I'd have it pegged eight, seven, five. So I'd look at a pick four, sort of, you know, it would be like one, four, four, nine, eleven, or pick five, excuse me, starting in race number one. And on Friday, it would be one, four with four, nine, eleven, uh, spread out as many as you can there, then two, four, and five, seven, eight. And, uh, I'd be okay singling the eight in the fifth if you wanted to shorten up there in the fourth race. He, I would be fine with, uh, you know, taking a, a more bold single with into chocolate or even in the opener, I would, I'd be okay with taking a, a single on upstriker. I'm, you know, we all have different budgets that we can, uh, we can play with. So don't be afraid to, to single your strong opinions. If we, if we kind of lock up on, on a horse that, that you like, that I like, and maybe it, it you know, we, I have a different reason or two than you. Maybe that'll hopefully be a, where we can connect. So we're going to talk about the Breeders' Cup races now for Friday in just a bit. And I'm going to go race by race. We have interviews with a, a different guest to talk about every single Breeders' Cup race. And then following that interview, I'll give a quick overview again of some of my thoughts on the race. But before we get to that... We are going to have an interview with Bree Mott from Stable Duel. She's going to let us know everything that's going on at Stable Duel and what to expect uh, this week with contests on the schedule, what to look forward to at the end of 2020 and heading into 2021. So we'll be talking with Bree Mott from Stable Duel in, in just a sec. Middle of Breeders' Cup uh, week as we get set for Friday and Saturday. So it's a huge week in the world of horse racing and one of the big, big companies that have been sweeping the nation in horse racing actually i guess more than the nation right brie because we're up at woodbine yeah, more than yeah. nation with uh with stable duel joining me again my good friend the hype chick the director of marketing for stable duel no days off brie mott how you doing brie <laughs> i'm good how are you doing today doing well so i, I saw that you did post um uh, earlier though, uh, sort of a bummer that there won't be any Breeders' Cup contest this year, but there will still be a ton of other contests for everybody to play this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're probably more bummed than anybody that not to carry Breeders' Cup, but we're we're working on it for next year, and um, we've got some great contests this week, and then we're going to hit it hard all November and December, and heading into 2021. So. You know, don't no days off. I guess is as the new slogan is. <laughs> so let's uh recently what the one thing that I've always loved about Stable Duel and, and talking with you from the very beginning was you are all looking to grow, to adapt, to cater to whatever the customers and the players want, and we've seen that now in the last two or three months. I mean, there have been so many different contest formats from. Winner take all to paying out the top three to paying out the top 10 to new double ups to try to beat a specific person where you'll get a bonus. So, even some contests that were just normal contests, like at Emerald, where you know, Lone Star was another one where the top finishers would get extra swag. So, um, that that really feels to me as someone who talks to you a lot 
more than these interviews and stuff. That's like that feels like really what you guys at Stable Duel want to do. Like you want to make your customers and your players happy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've always said, you know, it's for the players, by the players, us ourselves, we're gamblers here. Um, and we're just kind of sometimes it's trying something new to see how it goes. Um, the double ups and the triple ups, I think so far we have gotten some amazing feedback on kind of the premise behind it. It actually comes with the, the daily fantasy world a little bit. Like, so those are contests that happen a lot in that world. So we decided to try it out and it's just a way to kind of build your bankroll. So for mm-hmm. instance, they usually happen, you know, towards the the middle of the week so that you can double, triple your money and then head into the weekend with more bankroll to play in some of the bigger games. Um, so I had somebody ask, you know, how they work pretty much whatever your entry is. If it's a double up, if you finish within the top 40 percent of the stable dual players within that game, you're going to double your entry. So if it's a ten dollar buy in, you're walking away with twenty dollars. No, it's not a massive win, but that's why like a lot of people play multiple stables. So you play three stables, and if those three finish in the top 40%, you're walking away with an extra $30, which, I mean, really is pretty good odds compared to some of the other things that we've got out there to lose money on. And same with triple up, you know, you're tripling your entry. So we call it a bankroll builder, just a way to double or triple your money. And again, more players walk away with cash in their pockets than some of the other games. And, you know, yeah, go ahead. What's great about those is all it does is it unlocks that different strategy and how you have to play the game because you can play a double up or a triple up game and have a little bit more of a conservative approach. You don't really have to feel like you are going to take a swing on a, when you're playing in a tournament. Right. If you're trying to play to win, you want to have to, you're going to have to zig when everybody zags once or twice. You're going to have to pick one or two big bust out long shots, but you can play it a little safer. If you're just trying to double or triple up and not necessarily worry about, um, okay, everyone's going to play this horse. I don't want to play them too. So what's great is that different contests, completely different strategy. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and we actually received feedback last week. An individual hated the double up and the (laughs) triple up. And that's why we try to offer this like rounded portfolio of different contest concepts because, I mean, you can't please everybody with one one avenue Mm -hmm. so that's why we offer multiple avenues and we've got the top tens which are super fun so obviously heavier payouts for the top 10 players and then we have kind of what we call like our standard normal contest which pays out the top 20 percent so there's lots of ways to win within the stable dual app um and and you know it really just kind of whatever tickles your fancy and if you want to play it safe and just double your money the double ups, the triple ups are kind of a good a good place for you to go. Enter multiple stables. We've seen one player like enter, I think, four of the same stable, which sometimes it pays out for him and sometimes it yeah. doesn't. But there's also, I mean, you talk about stable building strategy all the time. Like sometimes you're in between two horses and you can't afford both. So create two stables where you buy the one in one stable and then buy the other one in the other one. So Lots of different options, but yeah, I mean, we're always listening to feedback on social media through our email, and you know, we really appreciate it. Whether it's love or hate, um, it, it drives us to better our product on a daily basis. Um, one thing that I know you've mentioned a, a couple times is we have this annual leaderboard that we see when we when we pull the app up right away, and it tells you basically everything you need to know about. All of the past contests you've been in Where you finished, everything You can get all the information there And you guys have talked a few times uh, About at some point Having some sort of a, a contest 
with you know the top 100 or a certain uh, a certain level of of players so talk a little bit about an idea there and what the annual leaderboard is sure well i mean as you know we didn't launch this year until july 3rd so our calendar year no matter what is going to be you know january 1st to december 31st so it's starting out July 3rd when we launched and it will end December 31st. So you have this time period to play as much as you can and any positive points that you get from a game. So if you have a game that you kind of flunk and you like end up with negative, which it happens, it's all it's happened to many of us, that won't be added to your overall score. You only get the positive points added. But so you see those players that have you know, 56,000 points on the annual leaderboard, it's because they've played that many games that keeps adding to their overall status and their reward system, which we'll touch on too, to move you up on the annual leaderboard. And so at the end of the year, we're going to pretty much scratch um, those reward points and the top 100 players on the Stable Duel annual leaderboard will be invited to play in in an exclusive top 10 championship Um, For one big race day, I'm not going to say which race, but we're thinking it's going to be in January and it's going to be exciting and it'll be a big dollar to win and it's only invited to the top 100 players. So you just, you want to get in that group. Yep. I love it. I think that's what G said is in the the, early, the the low 30s right now. So I gotta I gotta continue to move up, but I, I'm I'm gonna yeah, doing yeah. doing well doing well so far. Um and and then I know that there have been really good relationships with with um, a lot of the tracks that you've had uh, moving forward. There are some big ones like Del Mar opening back up now. Last week there were free roll contests at Del Mar. You mentioned there was a triple up contest. They've been a, a good partner with you moving forward. I know. I'm just kind of looking at the calendar in my head And the wheels are spinning I know Gulfstream has been a track that um, There were a lot of stable duel contests with And yeah. Gulfstream coming up like around the After Christmas time through March mm-hmm. Is like one of the best meets of racing Ever, every part of the year Yes, we are super excited For Gulfstream this winter um, I mean that track in itself I've always loved It just has this fun Miami It almost has like a casino type yeah. vibe Which If we all follow me on social media, we know I like a good casino. So, um, yeah, super excited for Gulfstream. You know, it's there's just something about that track there. And even if you can't go, you feel like you're there in the Florida sun watching the horses run. And a lot of the good horses are down there because, you know, the New York circuit changes a little bit with Aqueduct being so cold. A lot of the horses head south. And then, yeah, we've got Del Mar. We're kind of working on hopefully this just fun initiative with Del Mar and same with Gulfstream. You know, we, the tracks have been great thus far and we just hope to kind of build those relationships because, you know, our players are fans of racing. We're fans of racing, and to give back to the players and, and build stable duel just builds the racing industry in general. So it's super fun. Let's uh, continue on with the the rewards. We we kind of hit on that a, a moment ago. So like anything, you're already going to be offering rewards to those players who are in the top hundred by giving them an opportunity to play in this exclusive contest. But it goes much more than that. I see pictures of people with swag all over the place, posting their uh, their t-shirts, their hats. Their koozies, all sorts of different things. Explain the rewards program to us. 
Yeah, so this is one of the things that we kind of uh, designed early on, and we thought that it was really important of just being a brand that like everyone feels a part of, of the company and the reward system kind of does that. So you hit your first reward status at 12,500 points, which seems like a lot if you first start playing, but if you're hitting you know 200 points or even 100 points, it's only going to take you 12 games to get there. Um, do I do that math right? We'll see. Maybe. So... Um, you just want to the more the more you play the more you win that's one of our slogans and it's so so true like you don't have to win a game to move up to get to a reward status or to get money or to get money in all the payouts i mean like i said i had gone like a month or two and not one and had still made a ton of profit very rarely was i depositing second thirds fourth fifths finishing well like that's the thing that's nice too is that you don't have to like you don't have to always feel like you win you're going to get rewarded yeah and in all transparency i mean again we launched in july like this is a great time to get in because the player numbers are lower than what they could be next year so you Overlays. have more of, a chance, sure. more of a chance to win so yeah i mean you're winning money and and the rewards like everybody likes the status we always talk about you know airline status we you you like to have some sort of a status because you get perks and it's the same thing with stable duel so you hit twelve thousand five hundred points you're going to get an email that says congratulations you reached silver status and we're sending you a credit so that you can play a game on our dime. And we're going to send you a stable duel t-shirt. And it just goes up from there. You know, the next level gold, you, you pick from the swag store. Um, you get more of a game credit and so on and so forth. And we actually have two platinum players right now um, that have been fantastic. And we're working with them because at that level, we were hoping to, you know, host people at racetracks and give tickets. Obviously, in this time period that's a little bit tougher where most of the tracks are you know having no spectators but again we love our players we're here to take care of you and um the game is for you so we're going to take care of our two platinum players and so on and so forth so yeah the more you play the more you win any of those positive points even if you did not win in your particular game will be added to your annual status move you up on the annual leaderboard and get you free perks love it and I gotta gotta mention one of the real popular sellers of of the shirts that you have, which are funny. They're great. Is the degenerate shirt? People love this one. I get asked about it yeah. all the time, all over the place. Tell us a little bit about some of the uh, the the swag and what we can shop there for Stable Duel. Sure. Well, we're again like we we ourselves sit here and joke every single day in the office. Like I have a basketball hoop in my office. We've got a shuffleboard and stable table downstairs like we're just laid back we love the sport and we love the fun side of it we don't you know want to be stuffy in any ways and so when we kind of thought about carrying t-shirts like we just wanted them to be different funny like witty and so yeah the degenerates one of them which you can't really do much more than write degenerate in massive bold letters <laughs> and that's all it is and it's one of the favorites you know i have a couple going out today um, and the tees are super comfortable. Like they're, they're not these, you know, cheap ones that you buy. They're actually ones that you want to wear on a daily basis. But yeah, so we've got that, uh, we've got a stay in your lane, which kind of came out, um, after the Derby where maximum security had a moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. so that one's good. And then actually our very first t-shirt, which this day was so funny. I kind of wish some people in the office for it. Um, obviously our, our game is based off of, you know, margin of victory. So length is what matters and so we were talking about our game 
And so we kind of came up with the size doesn't matter, but lengths do. <laughs> then we were trying to think of like how to write it on a shirt. And I like put my hands up and we put the horse in between and the rest <laughs> is history. So yeah, it's all, it's all in good fun. And, you know, it's, it's been so great to see players like tweet it out, sh- share pictures. We've got a couple that it is their avatar on Twitter. Um, and we're just so thankful that people feel a part of the Stable Duel family because, you know, we, we feel like you're all a part of our family. So, yeah, where are the shirts. We got them. They're for sale. But we also do plenty of giveaways, too. Um, $18, I think, is most of the T-shirts. Oh, and then we actually just have the comfiest sweatshirt I legitimately have ever worn. I think it's uh, brand new, right? It's, it's really new, the yeah. hoodie. Yep, brand new. I uh, put it out there last week, um, and that's only 40 bucks. Uh, and I guess now I'm being a salesperson. But this part, okay, this part's really cool. So the blue hats, Gino, you've seen those. They're the fitted hats. With yeah, the I've got one. Yeah, I got one. Okay, so we had somebody the other day ask us, like, it would be so cool if you could, you know, put your stable name on there. Oh, And wow. this is been something that we have thought about doing but you know we're a very small team here and so we we already bite off more than we can chew but you know once he said it i was like we got to make this happen and so surprised him um he had bought the hat surprised him put his stable name on the side of it um just to be the first one to try it out wow and um sent it to him and his response was he goes this means more to me than you'll ever know this was my dad's um old racing stable wow. name see that's so, so cool yeah that's, that's so, so cool that's just something stable name put on the hat it's ten dollars i will do it um you just gotta just you know hit me up on all the channels like twitter whatever but yeah you can totally put your stable name on those blue hats oh that's great yeah i think for me the one, like, uh, I w- I've wear the degenerate one a good amount, but I've had the size doesn't matter one the longest. And yeah. and so I get the look, it's one that I get looks at when I'm walking around. You know, people will do the double take and then really, like, look at it. I've had people ask me, I think, when we did a live stream a few weeks ago, the one of the angles of the camera was set up so you could only see where it says size doesn't <laughs> matter on my shirt. And I was having to explain, you can ask Stephanie, I promise this is not true. Talk to my girlfriend, you know, so th- it's yeah, a lot of fun. Gotta, you know, you got to own it. You just got to give them like a creepy like <laughs> eyebrow raise with like two hey, thumbs up, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, especially when I have this creepy ass beard going on still, which is just about to get cut because the Dodgers won. So I've got this, like you can't even see my face. It just looks like between I'm already a hairy guy with my eye. I'm Italian with my eyebrows and and, and my dark features. You throw yeah. a beard on my face, you cannot see anything. So I'm walking around with either the degenerate or the size doesn't matter shirt on and giving people creepy looks. They're gonna run. <laughs> They're well, gonna you'll, run. You'll, you'll fit, you fit the part then. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> so Bree, um, with Breeders' Cup week coming up. Um, I, the very important question to ask you: What what are going to be some of the drinks on your menu for the next few days? I know that you you take we joked you take no days off. I know uh, when I it comes know. to uh, to uh, hey, you know what? Sometimes we need to be a, a warrior, and for me, I'm the same way. I I will fluctuate from wine to whiskey to mm. beer. I don't really discriminate with the drinks. It doesn't bother me if there's some alcohol. I will have it. Um, <laughs> give me one or two that you're going to be drinking this week. See, whiskey is like my angry drink. Like you do, I do not need to be on whiskey yeah, for the safety of anyone around me. Yeah. Um, I, see, I've got it. It's clear liquor. Uh, I actually have been converted to like a good old fashioned. So for bourbon drinkers out there, I'll go down that path. Relax. 
Um, and for the record, just so people don't like, start calling a hotline for me, I did take Sunday off this time. Okay, so I had no drinks on Sunday. Um, I even know, God needed be, rest on Sunday. Yes, yes. I mean, you got to prep for this week. So exactly. yeah, I I'm a wine drinker for sure. Uh, but when it's like you got to rally through hours, they are definitely sort of like the vodka style type drinks where. You know, you got ice, so that's hydration the way I look at it. With wine, there's no hydration mixed in. But no, I will, you know, we're just excited. We're excited for the weekend. I think we're going to test out Mirror Twin, which is across the street from our office here in Lexington, and Austin Brewery. So there will be beer involved. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll probably kick off some fun cocktails over the weekend as well. Bree, you guys have been all over the place. You've been traveling uh, all over. It seems uh, like it's... I'm I'm just a little bummed that uh, everything's going on because I can't wait till one time where we're able to to all meet up together. I can't wait till we have a, a I'm able to hang out with you and Chris in the group and uh, and have a few beers because it's been a lot of fun. And the one thing that I've just appreciated as more than anything a better a customer of your product too, someone who plays Stable Duel all the time is how Accessible you personally And your whole team are And and you have been to me and to I think everyone else and I try to tell everyone too If you're listening and you're not sure what Stable Duel is and you've just heard us talk About it and you have some questions You can always ask me but I've seen Bree Get back to everybody out there On all social media stuff you are like I know you got a bunch of other stuff to do but you Take your time to get back to everyone individually Even if some of them are snarky to you You'll still give them a response Which I really appreciate And like that's that's the companies that I like working with And, and those are places that I want to continue to support Because you're never going to BS me I know that And as a customer yeah. And I really appreciate that And so anyone that's listening You know, you can always ask me I'll help you Tell you everything that's going on with Stable Duel Build your lineups But Bree can, can let you know everything and And you are like so great at that I really appreciate it Thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, we, we love the product. We stand behind it 150%. And we're just like, I know this sounds so cliche, but on a daily basis, we really are working very hard to just make it bigger and better for players. Um, And so part of that is, you know, being responsive. And I mean, we launched and you remember this, we kind of launched marketing before we ever had a product. So I'm literally on Twitter. Like, hey, Stable Duel, like, we don't have anything yet, but come hang out with me. And um, <laughs> the people that did, like, it, it just was super fun because we were talking about, you know, what horses we were going to pick, what tracks we were looking at. Um, you know, it just kind of started to build this community that we had hoped to build, but we could have never imagined for it to grow as quickly into what it is now. But, yeah, I mean, I take it very seriously to answer any questions. Um to be there if you have any issues. Like, I want you to enjoy the product. All of our team wants you to enjoy the product. So um, we just make it a, a point to, to, to be there and to help with anything that needs. And yeah, I mean, if there are snarky comments, like snarky is the best side of me. So you're yeah. gonna get it back, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just be expecting it if you give it out. You're gonna get yeah. it back for sure. And I mean, with, with a company that's really as small, just as far as not many people, that are you know doing all the stuff behind the scenes The amount of response and how quickly you are able to get back to everybody With, with all the different you know, like All the different things that you guys are dealing with Is, is super impressive Because I mean there are huge companies That are terrible with customer service And that is to me no matter what That is the complete opposite that I've experienced From day one with all of you And that's why I'm very happy Makes it easy for me to promote Stable yeah. Duel 
I don't have to lie about anything. I don't have to tell people that are listening to my show one thing and it's the other way. It's literally what I say is what happens because that that's how honest you guys have been um, from day one. And I, I just look forward to moving forward this week. We're gonna have a contest um, again. Like, let's talk a little bit about this week. You mentioned sure. you mentioned Del Mar. So, what are the? I know. I think I saw just an hour or two ago. Usually on Monday, if you follow on social media. Yeah, Stable Duel will tweet out or post on Facebook the schedule for the week to come. Why not? So this show will probably come out Wednesday. Let's roll through like what comes out Wednesday through the rest of the week. Yeah. So Wednesday we've got parks. We're doing a triple up there. So it's a ten dollar buy in. So you can walk away with thirty dollars in your pocket for any entry as long as you finish again on the top forty percent of the leaderboard there. But as we talked about changing up some games, we're actually giving a hundred dollar bonus to the first place. So in that one, you're tripling up, but if you win the game, you're also walking away with a hundred dollars. So that's pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, we just started with Penn national last week. Those games have been super, super fun. So we've got more Penn national top 10. Uh, we're going down to Louisiana for Evangeline down. So, um, trying out some kind of a new venue, if you will. And then we're kind of continuing on. We got Woodbine, we got Golden Gate, and then we're kicking off Del Mar on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So again, no Breeders' Cup this year. Um, we are hopeful that we're going to have it next year, but obviously we're, we're fans of racing, so we're still going to be watching. But there's a ton of fun action in the app. And if anything, I mean, it's a great weekend to kind of make some money because some people might be focused on the Breeders' Cup and missing out on the money that could be in their pockets from Stable Duel. Absolutely. Absolutely Perfect time to capitalize uh, Make sure you pay attention to the numbers in those contests too Sometimes like anything it's just there'll be one contest Like the If there's two contests at the same track sometimes You know mm-hmm. the bigger the smaller ones Fill up like crazy and then the bigger ones Sometimes don't because people just don't I, I get they maybe they get nervous or they want to Enter a couple smaller stables but if you just Entered the same stable in the bigger Contest you'd win a lot of the time it's so true. How many tweets I have seen out there where it was like, if I would have entered this stable in the whatever, the high dollar, I would have gotten second place or I would have, because you can look at the points of what happened, you know, in the one mm-hmm. that you entered the $5 entry stable, and then you could have been in the top 10 of the $25 paying you five times that. So You can see how yeah, many I've, stables are in right away when you enter. It tells you how many how many uh, entries are in each contest too. So you can look around. Oh, okay, you know what? There's a few in this one. Maybe it makes a little more sense to spend up because I'll just have less people to compete with in that one, you know? So um, just it's a... And the one thing I'll always mention too Just remember because something I do I build my stables a lot of time the night before But you remember you got to get up and check For scratches you guys do a really good job Of sending out the alerts so just make sure to turn Those notifications on for the stable dual app Because for me every morning I'll get them it'll say oh 30 minutes Before make sure you get your entries in you have Two horses scratched in your stable and it just makes My job so easy yeah, for sure. Yeah, turn your notifications on. We we try to make it easy so that you can go back and in. And I mean, if you want it to be, it's a set it and forget it and then walk back afterwards and see what you did. But honestly, it's so fun to me to sit there and like upload after every single race and see where you're moving up and down the leaderboard. So um, yeah, it's going to be a good week. I'm excited. I mean, a ton of really good racing, but I think the interaction that we have found with some of the Penn National, the Parks, the Golden Gates, um, they have been, those games have been super fun in themselves. So, Fremont, the director of marketing for Stable Duel. Make sure to just download that Stable Duel app anywhere on your Android, iOS devices, anywhere at all. There were new Android uh, updates recently. So, uh, yeah. for your an- 
Android fans It's even even moving quicker and more smooth Bree, and let everybody else know uh, Out there on social media and stuff Where can we find you, where can we get in touch with you uh, You can find me at Bremont On Twitter, um, more importantly Stable Duel uh, Is everywhere, as Stable Duel <laughs> There's like no like spaces or anything Guys, it's pretty simple, at Stable Duel Yeah, follow along, ton of giveaways um, Sometimes I can be funny But Stable Duel is the place to be and uh, Stable Duel is the place where you're going to find That's what G said each and every Week in those contests Play, race, win Bree, thank you so much again and uh, enjoy your drinks this week Thank you, you too That is Bree Mott Don't go anywhere folks, we're going to take a quick break We'll be right back here with plenty more On That's What G Said Hey, big thank you to Bree For letting us know everything happening in the world Of Stable Duel And and as we shift on over now to start talking about the Breeders' Cup races for Friday, one at a time, with uh, a different guest to help discuss each one. First up, it's going to be race number six on Friday, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Joining us to discuss this one is Brian Aragoni on track handicapper over at Canterbury. Enjoy our discussion of race number six. Okay, we got off hitter this year for our Breeders' Cup races and we're going to be talking the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint, someone that I've uh, gotten uh, much closer with over the last year, had him on this show many times to talk about Canterbury, he's the on-track handicapper over at Canterbury and one of the few people when after I had put together a list, I'm talking about Brian Aragoni, so Brian, I I put together the list of of all the people I wanted, uh, I was thinking about, you know, asking to join me on the Breeders' Cup show, and I had it all, all marked down, and I just sort of assigned races to people, kind of like alphabetically almost, because I was putting them, and you were sort of towards the top, and and after the race drew, you were one of the, the, the few people that I felt like sending an apology afterwards, because this is just a, I mean, from a handicapping standpoint, a field of 14, so many variables, but wow, talk about a difficult race when we have two-year-olds sprinting five and a half furlongs you got some european horses coming in a massive field the heavy favorites on the outside we got a race to discuss brian aragoni how you doing buddy as much as i appreciate always being on the show i sure felt like uh having an a last name that that i drew the short straw with a field of 17 two-year-olds going uh five and a half furlongs yeah that, uh, as a public handicapper, this race seems like a nightmare. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and you know, I guess from from my discussion standpoint, we will start with Golden Pal, who is the morning line favorite, but drew post fourteen, and he's really quick. So if you know, I, I guess if you had to be either drawn way to the inside or drawn way to the outside, maybe you'd prefer the outside. But he is going to have to break alertly. He's going to have to not be messing around out there. He did just crush a group um, over at Saratoga that he was just much better than. And two starts back, he just got beat by a really, really nice animal over at Ascot. You know, that's top, top notch there. So where do we uh, where do we start? I guess we start with Golden Pal. What, uh, what are your thoughts on him? I mean, I think the race goes through Golden Pal. I'm not positive that a win wager, the value will certainly be there. Eight to five on the morning line. We'll see how the money plays out. But a two-year-old from post number 14 is a deserving favorite, in my opinion. But I'm not all that confident. I think the race will be won on the lead or just off the pace in here. But it looks like he's got to contend with some other speed. I respect everything he did. You know, but one minute flat and four at Saratoga hasn't been seen since August. 
I've got my question marks, but I absolutely understand why he's the favorite. And I'm, I'm sure the connections prefer being on the outside versus down on the inside. I think I feel pretty similar to you. He's not a favorite. There are shorter price favorites over the weekend that I'll be completely chucking. He's he's not one of them. Um, he he'll be in the mix in, in my exotics along with a couple other horses. So who are some of the other horses that uh that you would kind of look to uh, as as top horses for you in this race? Well, anytime I hear two year olds sprinting on the turf, I, I'm going to spread out. So I, while I recognize yep. Golden Pal. Certainly the one to beat, but let's not forget, you know, that horse was a maiden going into last race. Granite was bet down to two to five, but now you're going to bet, you know, on a horse that's only won once, where many of them have. I understand that they're lightly raced, but there's plenty of horses that I look at underneath that could absolutely provide value. I think 2nd of July is a horse who's right next door. Dylan Davis is not synonymous with winning at the Breeders' Cup, um, but, you know, that horse has been overlooked plenty of times. Went off at 68-1 to in the debut at Belmont. And then I thought in the grade three futurity at Belmont was really much the best. The running line only says one by a half length. But I went back and watched that race, which I believe six or seven of these horses come out of. And 2nd of July was really geared down, had to shuffle back a little bit in the replay, sit behind a wall of horses. And I thought one professionally, I think that horse is going to be an overlay at 8-1. to there's plenty of others to to take a look at as well. Who did you see? And you know what? And you, I wanted to piggyback on your point because you talked about Davis. I thought he put a great ride on this horse last time out too. He was just kind of patient. He 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 was acting like he was riding very confident and, and just kind of waiting, waiting. He angled out four wide. He got a nice opening. It was just a a really well timed ride. You mentioned sort of geared down afterwards too. Um, beat a couple rivals. Plenty of things to like about second of July. In here, um, one horse that I I think is is one that I'll be using also in some of my exotics is is probably a horse that came out of the same race that was right behind him in After Five, who I also think ran pretty well. So I like that race in particular. Those two will be on uh, on some of my uh, my exotics. Like the what do we do with? Um, a horse like cow, you know. Okay, let's talk about the the Canterbury horse. We got the, we got the Canterbury guy on here. We got to talk a little bit about Bodenheimer, who broke his maiden at Canterbury, and then he came right back at Prairie Meadows and won nicely. And last time out, he wired a stakes field at Keeneland. He's loaded with talent, very quick, tons of ability. The the problem with him is that. He's got sort of the same running style as Golden Pal and probably three or four others in here. He would have to be really, really good to win the battle and then win the war. Yeah, and I will say this, you know, being a Canterbury horse, what a special thing it is for Valerie Lund to get another horse to the Breeders' Cup. You do note this a two-year-old who was bred in Washington by Attaboy Roy. The sire was trained by Valerie Lund. That was her horse. That she brought to the Breeders' Cup in the past. And Attaboy Roy means a ton to her. He's also the sire of one of Minnesota's finest. Nationally, they may not know the name, but Mr. Jägermeister. He's performed pretty well at Oaklawn Park. He's dominated the Minnesota ranks here at Canterbury. He's made almost a million dollars. And she also trains him. And she was so high on Bodenheimer that she said this is the best horse she's ever trained. And that includes Attaboy Roy along with Mr. Jägermeister. She's been very high on Bodenheimer the entire time. You know, he ran with Lasix in the debut at Canterbury, and that was probably his best race. I know he just came back and won, uh, you know, the Indian summer at Keeneland as well. But I like his running style. He's awfully quick. He's going to sit 
on, if not near the lead, will Golden Pal go or sit just off of it? But I think Bodenheimer could absolutely catch a price uh, or catch a piece at a price for connections that people may overlook. Uh, one horse that I'm going to be using, and um, again, she is a, a filly. She'll be so she'll be facing some of the boys in here, and I don't know how good she is, but she's going to be sitting in the spot that you've mentioned a few times, where I don't want a horse who is going to be you know dead last in here um, and have to deal with a lot of traffic, and I I don't necessarily want. The the couple that I think are going to be right on the lead I'm talking about the 12 Dirty Dangle Who is now going to come into the Mark Cassie barn So he comes into a real capable barn um, She comes into a real capable barn After winning a stakes race last time out And she's just got that style where She's she's tactical She can track you know just a couple lengths off She's drawn towards the outside Maybe she gets hooked a little bit wide But I think with that positional speed She'll be able to, to secure a spot in a field like this, I don't mind if she's sitting. You know, I'd prefer her sitting third or fourth. You know, too deep than a horse that's going to be coming from way back, kind of stuck in between in some traffic. So she's a long shot that I'll be throwing uh, on my ticket in some of my exotics. Are there any other? Um, we got four big prices down towards the inside. I couldn't really get too excited ab- about uh, any of them. I had some question marks about Cowan. Um, a- any others in here for as far as your exotics are concerned that you would be looking to, to use? Well, I've got a couple more horses to talk about, but please, absolutely. Dangle, I'm glad you brought up Dirty Dangle because I went back and watched a replay from September 19th, and I was very impressed. With mm-hmm. the one morning line, one relatively push button, and if you watch replay as well, sitting at the top of the stretch, you were wondering where where uh, she was going to go. I mean, I was like, how does she win this race and win it going away by open lengths because she's behind a wall of horses. The one thing I don't know, and tell me if this does concern you, will be running without Lasix for the Breeders' Cup and is one of the only horses that has been on Lasix the first two starts. Well, it, it's it's something to mention, right? Because being in Canada being versus being in the U.S., we've seen you know the, a lot of the tracks with the two-year-olds now. Um, so that's a, that's a point to mention. I don't... What I don't mind is that she's a price, right? I think if she was a shorter price, I would use it as something... To maybe not play her or or maybe a reason to to be hold it against her a little bit more since I think she's going to be 15 you know everything around 15 to one or so I don't mind if there are a few things like a like that but a very good point for you to bring up and and I I kind of my notes were sort of were really similar to yours in that I don't know how good she is or this is going to be a tough task for anyone to win a race like this but there's definitely some ability there absolutely and and you know, you and I, I think we handicap similar where we mm-hmm. handicap what we see on paper and then we handicap what we see with our eyes with replays. Absolutely. You know, medication is a hot button topic across the nation. And I truly, I'll admit, I don't know how that is going to handle, whether it's going to be a help or hurt. I or agree. not affected at all. So that's just something that I wanted to make note of. And I'm glad you did. Yeah. Great um, thing think, to mention. I think Golden Pal, you know, is going to be the heavily bet favorite. I agree. Bodenheimer, Dirty Dangle, and Second of July are horses that I will be using underneath. And I'll throw in one last one. And typically in my handicapping, when I'm handicapping horses coming from the West Coast and the East Coast and how they intermingle and they mesh, it's relatively simple for me. On the West Coast, I prefer turf horses. Horses coming from the East Coast, I prefer them on the dirt because oftentimes I feel like there's just a little bit more competition on the East Coast for those turf horses than there is on the West Coast. Agree. Um, but but I will throw this one in, is Amanzi Yimpillo is 
potentially going to take some money in here. Another Philly running against the boys for CJ Thoroughbreds, who I love. But that was not the horse I wanted to bring up. I thought Windy City Red for Jonathan Wong was much more impressive at a big price than Amanzi Impillo or however you want to say the name. But Windy City Red was only trying the turf for the first time. You know, is not really bred to handle the turf at all. Valdivia can really give you a good ride. If there is a horse coming from the West Coast out at Santa Anita, I'm going to be throwing Windy City Red underneath. We'll not use the winner out of the speakeasy last time out. I think Windy City Red at a price could be a horse to use underneath. I'm not saying I'm top by any means, but in your trifectas, superfectas, you know, showed speed in the debut at Golden Gate and then really had a disastrous trip at Santa Anita and I thought deserved much better. Uh, lastly, you know, this is a race in the sprints. I'm not going to use the Euros. Americans have really dominated the sprints recently. The Euros will have much better opportunities later on in the card and on Saturday going a little bit longer. I completely, I just feel like the, this spot, the Euros get a little bit outrun. They're just not quite used to the kind of early pace in these sprint races that the American racing or the North American racing has. And a lot of the horses, if, if they've been close, they're not going to be close to this kind of speed and they're going to get outrun. So I'm I'm completely with you and I'm really glad you mentioned Windy City Red too. I'm glad he drew in because I feel very similar. I, I'll... I'll probably throw him into, you know, one or two pick five tickets that I play just because if he won, I would feel uh, upset that I didn't have him because he he's a little he's a little I don't want to say cheap, but he doesn't feel like he's as classy as some of the other horses in this race. He is a really nice animal. And I thought he was the best in that race. A slightly better trip wins. I'm glad you mentioned it. He just had a bad trip. He was, you know, three, four deep. And then he he kind of settled. He was outrun a little bit in that in that second. But then he ran, you know, he 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 moved inside. He had a ton of traffic late. Just a better trip wins that race. Wendy said he read a no doubt horse to use underneath at a big price in exotics. You have an excellent turf jockey who has won some really big grass races through the years and who should be able to secure a, a nice spot for Windy City Red. And you know what? He showed a little versatility in his two starts too. Even though he had a bad trip, he showed us he can he can overcome a little bit of adversity and pass some horses. Absolutely. And so even though, long story short, you know, I don't love horses from the East Coast or on the turf, I typically do love them, but the grade three futurity, I didn't rate as a, a super great race. So I'm only going to use one out of there with second of July. You know, I'll certainly use golden pal, dirty dangle as a Philly that I'm going to absolutely use, you know, Tyler Gaffleone and Mark Cassidy. That's a horse that could win. And everyone was saying, how did I miss it? You know, Bodenheimer in with a shot, the local favorite here in Minnesota. And then in my opinion, you have to use windy city red. You touched on it. He broke from the outside, moved down to the inside, and kind of really had to wait. I thought it was relatively professional um, in running that race, and then galloped out huge. It was a big gallop. I was uh, way ahead of everyone else after there. I thought deserved a better fate, and will absolutely be all of 30-1. to 1. So those are the horses that I'm going to use, really, 2, 10, and then the outside runners on 12, 13, and 14. And I really don't think, outside of Golden Pal, anyone's really hurt by their post draw because when no. you see red – is going to sit back behind anyways. So I'm fine with all the post positions. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We see this race very similarly in that I think Golden Pal is a use, but but beatable in this spot and, and not not one that you'd want to toss because you could see a situation where this horse either sits just off or can clear the field and, and is just better than this group. But with the other speed signed on, with a lot of these variables, with these young, lightly raced horses who are improving rapidly, I think there are 
there are many opportunities in a Breeders' Cup race like this to uh to to say okay let's we're okay with Golden Pal and a couple others. There are favorites later on in the card and between Friday and Saturday that I think are vulnerable. I'll try to beat them. This one we'll use along with a, a couple others. Brian, we'll let everybody out there know uh, Canterbury is finished. Jewel like, and then let us know where we can follow you along on social media. You know, just working the desk job and uh, trying to find some horses along the way while working from home. But you can find me on Twitter, Mr. B underscore CBY analyst. Uh, you know, I'll be trying to tweet out as much as I can during the Breeders' Cup. And I love it. You know, I try and focus on pick fours, pick fives, and a win bet. And I think it's uh, humorous, I'll put it politely, that this 14-horse, uh, two-year-old going five, five and a half furlongs on the turf kicks off. The pick five, right? The first, the first Breeders' Cup race we get, the start of the pick five, where everybody just wants to stay alive and get through to the next race. We're gonna have to uh, worry about a, a huge field with all these uh, X factors. Brian Aragoni, um, it doesn't matter if it's Canterbury, it doesn't matter if it's Breeders' Cup racing, uh, Belmont Park, or I've seen you have some really nice scores or uh, on the New York Circuit. Uh, hell of a handicapper, very nice guy. Thank you for joining me again, and I look forward to. I'll I'll have to bring you back on uh, a, a couple more times between. Now in Canterbury, just talk other other races like we did today because I always love getting your opinion. Absolutely, best of luck, and certainly appreciate all the work you put in uh, to Breeders' Cup and all the guests you're having on. Man, thank you, and thank you for being so flexible with your with your time. I know uh, we got we got young ones now, so it's not always easy to coordinate with uh, with the young with the youngins running around. So um, uh, best of uh, best to you and yours over there. You guys stay safe, and you have a great week. You as well. Folks, do not go anywhere. We have plenty more for Breeders' Cup Friday. We'll be moving on to race number seven. Hey, a big thank you to Brian for talking Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Not an easy race to uh, to discuss and to, uh, to analyze uh, horse by horse, especially at a full field like that. We said two-year-olds sprinting on the turf course. For me, the horses that I'm, I'm very you know interested in using, the, the 12 in here, talked all about... Uh, a dirty dangle. Make sure to include this one in your exotics. The nine for me, I'm going to be after five. I will be using Golden Pal. Also, the 13th, second of July. And after that one, uh, Cowan and Windy City Red would be the uh, the next tier, the deepers and the under horses, depending on how deep you're going in some of the exotics. But for me, the 12 horse, if I can get anything over 10 to 1, 12 to 1, I think uh, I would be uh, putting a few bucks a uh, win wager on Dirty Dangle in the first Breeders' Cup race on Friday. We move from race number 6 Friday to race number 7 on Friday, and we will be discussing the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf with Sean Alvarez. Enjoy the discussion of race number 7. I uh, I had to press record because if I didn't, Sean and I would have been talking for just two hours. We were talking uh, baseball. We were going through uh, gambling stories as we get set up to talk about race number seven on Friday at Keeneland for the Breeders' Cup. We're talking about the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And they'll be traveling one mile, so get those past performances out. November the 6th, joining me again here on That's What G Said, becoming a very frequent guest, a uh, good buddy, one that I, we were saying can't wait till you know um, th- things sort of ease up a little bit and we can uh, we can go hang out and have a, a beer at a track again. I know this man is having a good time, though, uh, currently in Las Vegas, handicapper, contest player. You see his written work all over the place. Sean Alvarez, how you doing, buddy? 
You know, I'm fantastic. I mean, just like you said, we've been talking for, you know, 12 minutes just about <laughs> absolutely, you know, everything that we love, and you know, baseball and horse racing and sports and just uh, just happy to be on here and chatting with you. Like you said, um, you know, really looking forward to, you know, finally getting together and hanging out and watching some horse racing or sports and in general, uh, just 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 looking forward for this to be over and back to a little bit of a sense of normalcy. Let's uh, let's make some money this weekend, and uh, and you're in the place to make money. You're hanging out over in Vegas right now. Um, let's talk about race number seven. So a difficult race to discuss, Sean. I mean, honestly, when you look at all of the races on both days, this might be you know we hear wide open or great betting race. This this really fits that because the morning line favorite in this race is five to one. Yeah, I mean, when you uh, when you had messaged me and told me uh, what what race to uh, handicap and, and go over, I felt like there was like a personal vendetta out for me. Uh, <laughs> felt like you, you picked the most difficult race. All it's day, a but, hard one, you know, man. Like you said, uh, I mean, you, we, we have got what the six, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name. And that's the other thing is every I feel like every time you have me on the show, you know, I want to talk about a horse that I can't even pronounce. So. <laughs> Okay, I had a little bit of a, a cut out there. It was my fault. Uh, you know, Sean, I, I've I've only done uh, you know like thousands of hours of these recordings. Sometimes <laughs> when you lean over into the microphone and pull the cord out, that that would be better to not do when you're uh, yeah, when you're doing an interview. Slight tef- technical difficulty. Yeah, slight. slight yeah, but the but, you know, but, ho- but host blame. Yeah, host oh, blame. We're in the middle of uh of early talking about the uh, the seventh race Breeders Cup Juvenile Turf, and we were talking about Mustavik as just you know kind of a starting point, but so many ways to go with all of these European horses that that are very live. And I mean, you can make cases up and down the field. I'm I'm interested in who are some of the horses you kind of start with. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about the wide open, you know, wide open field. The the morning line favorite, you know, extremely lukewarm, five to one with the six. Um, and, and the six is a deserving favorite in my opinion, but it's still a horse that I'm going to try and beat, especially if it's going to be on the lower ends of the spectrum. So, you know, and this is kind of how I've pivoted and handicapped and, and I've probably even said this on your show in, in the past and really trying to get away from it is this, the saying of, well, if this horse repeats his last effort, he'll win. Um, you know. That might have been more, a little bit more accurate and true back in the day when horses were running, you know, a week um, away, you know, spaced out where, yes, you know, right. if a horse came back in 30 days, it was considered a layoff. That's just the normal time now. So we're talking about a living animal being trained by a human being, Things being changed. handled by human beings, being ridden by a human being 30 days apart. So and, and, and now for the Breeders' Cup, we're talking about horses being shipped from overseas running with Lasix for the first time, running mm-hmm. on, a, on a course that's completely different that they've never been to. So trying to handicap and figure out, well, if this horse runs to the last you know, effort, it will win. I, I just feel like, I feel like we're just kind of banging our heads against the wall and, and doing more guessing and handicapping than we really need to. So the way I've kind of pivoted, and I feel like it's even more um, you know, uh, important in a race like this with two-year-olds, with horses coming over from, you know, from overseas running again, running on a turf course, it's different. Um, you know, we look up and down the past performances on the European shippers and you see soft, you see good, you see heavy. We, you're not going to get any of that over here. Um, if the weather if, should if, be good. Yeah. Well, it's, it, but even if it rains and it gets to a heavy footing, what's considered heavy and soft not, in, in European, com- we wouldn't even run that here. Yeah. It would be on the dirt. So yeah. it's, 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 you can, 
it's not i wouldn't say that you can throw those races out but if you see a horse coming from overseas that maybe didn't put their best foot forward when the turf was soft or heavy but then ran well when it's good those are horses that i'm looking to you know improve a little bit in my opinion when they mm -hmm. come over here Whereas you, you know, you get another horse and you know, I'm speaking completely hypothetically, sure. you get another horse that's a world beater from Europe that only is run on heavy, you know, or soft, or that horse isn't going to run on that when you get out here. So Too maybe that's early. a horse yep. to be, you know? And, and so I'm looking at more, what is this horse doing for the first time? Um, and is that, is, do I think that horse is going to improve or go backwards? And so you know, when we're again, you know, circling back to the race, when we're talking about two year olds who have raced two, three, four times, again, doing things completely different um, this weekend, are they going to improve or are they going to are they going to go backwards? So, you know, going back to the six at five to one, um, you know, we, we've got the two we've got the two wins. Um, none of them were super impressive. And the other thing that you look at is both wins. The horse was favored. So the horse did what the horse was asked to do and what the horse was expected to do. When the horse wasn't favored, it got blown away by Jackie's warrior, who's a, a legitimate horse. But so that's where I'm thinking of, you know, is, is this where my money's going to lay on a horse that has really just done what is asked of him and now is going to face the probably the stiffest competition as far as a full field that he's ever seen. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to let the horse beat me in um horizontal horizontal wagers but as far as a win wager that you know the six is not going to see a dime of my money when we talk about some of the european horses that are are coming in who would be some that you look to i mean we have seal away from the inside we have new mandate we have cadillac we have battleground you've got go atletico and devil walla and the learjet i mean there are many to, to look at um, or uh, any of those, a couple of them on, um, on your radar. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, there's definitely a couple of them. And, you know, the other thing that I'm looking at, um, you know, every, every time that I open the PPs and start with the races, you know, uh, you know, as, as corny as the saying is pace makes the race in my opinion. Yep. Um, you know, uh, this last meet at Saratoga, I'll tell you what, it felt like they were in the uh, jockey room uh, pulling straws on who was going to get the 52 second half mile lead. Um, just drove me, drove me crazy. It feels I like that the last couple of years, it's just felt like that more and more, right? Yeah. It's just yeah, like merry go round. Oh, go race, ahead. You're just like, racing. I don't even, I don't even know what we're doing right now. Like I, my horse is, is in last and I thought it was going to be on the lead. So, um, but you know, uh, we, so we go back and, you know, you get a lot of these same jockeys that are going to be in the same situation, but now you're getting the European jockeys coming in. You're getting the Southern California jockeys coming in. Um, you know, and this is kind of the first time that this has happened since COVID, you know, even the, like the Kentucky Derby, you had to have that, you know, specific quarantine date to, to come in and ride. So, you know, this is, this is the goal. There's no, you know, there's no, well, I hope this works out, you know, whatever's being told in the, uh, in the paddock is what's happening. So I'm thinking there's going to be a little bit more, um, pace involved. You know, if your horse has the best chance that that's what that jockey's going to do. He's not waiting for the next race. If, if, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, I saw, I saw a decent amount of speed in this race. Even some of the Europeans, if you look at back at their past performances, while mm -hmm. they might not be super fast um, as far as the quick fractions compared to, you know, our American um, U.S. horses, they're still prominent horses that want to be forwardly placed. Yep. And I'm not looking for a crazy, you know, 
speed ball type type figure but if we're running you know just you know a, a fraction under 20 you know 24 seconds um in the first quarter and um i think tom amos was the one that uh said it he said uh, it doesn't matter how fast serengeti empress is going as long as she's not headed um mm-hmm. you know horses can run fast as long as they're doing it on their they own get and clear relax. they relax yep and I don't, I, I just don't see that in this, in this case, I see, you know, the one, the five, the seven, the eight, the 11, the 13, I think a lot of these horses are going to be a little bit more forwardly placed. So where I'm kind of looking, you know, kind of focusing my eyes is um, I really thought the two new mandate was interesting. Yep. You get a, you get a rider like Frankie Dettori, the guy is an absolute professional um, one of those guys that, you know, you, you always think of, uh, you know, the uh, horse for the course or, you know, this jockey really does well down the hill. Frankie can ride anywhere. Yeah. Um, Anything, he knows anywhere. pace. He knows, he knows, he just knows, he knows how to ride. He's a professional. Um, so I just feel like this horse is going to get into a decent spot. Um, you know, we're, we're rattling off three wins in a row. And while the, while two of those three, the horse was favored, um, you know, two starts back, the horse was eight to one. Um, you got to win so, it a mile, which is beautiful. He had trouble. If you go back and watch his race last time out, he hopped at the start. He was in tight. He was steadied back. He was like fourth, fifth. So while he was the favorite, he had to overcome. He wanted to go. He he kind of had to settle. And it was it was a good effort. It was very very impressive. You mentioned his fourth in a row. He's my top pick in here, Sean. <laughs> there we go. So yep. the show's over. Sorry guys. Everybody <laughs> <go home. laughs> so we, we yeah, and I think. As far as like value is concerned, I think anything you know like over eight to one or so feels about right for him. And, you know, in that in that range, I'm I'm fine with him. If I can get sort of that, I'll, I'll probably be making a win wager on him, and, and then using along with uh, some others and exotics. Who would be some of the others to uh, to look to? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think we're probably going to hear this on many podcasts and write ups um, numerous numerous times this weekend. Is you know, I I, I wouldn't dismiss Chad Brown. Uh, the, the four <laughs> yeah. public sector at eight to one written, you know, you got Irad on again, absolute professional guy can win anywhere. Um, the horse just, it just, the horse makes sense to me. Um, my issue is it's Chad Brown. It's the breeders cup. It's Keenan. Are we going to get eight to one? I don't think so. Um, so, you know, if this horse starts to drift down to favoritism, I, you know, it, I start to kind of lean elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this is a horse that, you know, uh, um, I wouldn't say you know, there's absolutely no um, no such thing as stone cold lock in in horse racing. But when you lean towards a favorite and a short price, you want to have you know a good feeling going in. And we you know we just talked the twos. The twos are a uh, top pick. So you know, landing on the four public sector at you know if the horse starts to drift towards favoritism with Chad Brown, I just feel like we can get value elsewhere. Um, and one horse that I really kind of wanted to touch on, I don't know that the horse is good enough to win. Most likely not. I thought if the 16 Harlan Estate draws in, I thought the horse is very interesting underneath. Um, again, you know, I think there's going to be pace in the race. I think there's going to there's be horses going to the front. This horse wants to be forwardly placed. If he draws in, is going to be drawn to the outside. He's got a very um, aggressive rider. Peter Erton knows what he's doing. He's not super well-known, but he knows what he's doing in big races. I don't think you're, um, you know, Juan Hernandez knows what he's doing. He's not going to gun to the front from the 16 hole. So, you know, I'm really looking for this horse to sit in kind of a good spot, get first run on the leaders. I don't think he's good enough to hold off the closers, but, you know, we're sitting 
that 30 to one. And then the horse, if he draws in for sure. Yeah. And we see those horses that draw in from the outside and they kind of get ignored. You know, this horse is probably going to be upwards of 50 to 60 to one. If he draws in, if that horse hits the board, I think we're really juicing up the exact, uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, yeah, uh, any exotics? Sorry, exact, exotic, exotics. That's the word. Yeah, exactest tries, supers, anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no doubt about it. Um, at a big price, he can just kind of fall into a a good trip. We're talking race number seven on Friday, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf with Sean Alvarez. Sean and I both are very high on the two new mandate in a race that uh, there might be like six or seven horses that are you know between six and ten to one. In here, you're gonna have a bunch of like five and just over five to one shots. You had mentioned too, and I kind of feel the same way. It, it you would at least think in these bigger fields where you have a lot of horses that are sort of stretching out to and a lot that you you don't really know if want to go or they they've shown some speed going going shorter. You just kind of imagine there's going to be a, a quick contested pace in here. So a lot of our wagers will be built around new mandate. We mentioned some of the other horses that were high on for or against. Anyone else in here that you'd like to discuss that you might be using or might be against? Uh, anything either way? No, you know, I, I like I said, um I, I really think the one, five, seven, eight, eleven, thirteen are going to be kind of forwardly placed. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of my speed speed thoughts on the race um, and think that uh, the 16 can kind of get um, just kind of get a trip gifted to them, uh, you know, and be possibly be able to hit the board. And, and like we said, I, I, you know, I really like the, the two new mandate and um, you know, we'll be using uh, the four public sector sector as well. Um, and, and, and that, that's, that's kind of where I land on it. And, you know, if we can get something along the lines of two, four, 16 in, in the try, I'll be a, I'll be a very happy guy over at Circa. There we go, Sean hanging out in Vegas this week And Sean's writing, you can see uh, all over the place, different places He's a frequent podcast guest on many different shows And uh, as good of a handicapper and a wager and and a better and and wagering he is He is an even better guy, uh, one of the nicer guys you'll meet out there Sean, buddy, I hope you have a great week, Uh, have a lot of fun over there Good luck, thanks again for getting up early and doing this with me Really early in the week, we're recording this Tuesday early morning Even early morning on the Pacific Pacific time, so I got you up a little earlier, but uh, always, uh, always appreciate your work, buddy. Gosh, it really is only Tuesday, isn't it? God, yeah. I mean, can't wait for this weekend. It's, it couldn't couldn't come soon enough, but uh, really appreciate you having me on. I, I always enjoy sitting down and talking with you. Thank you. Thanks again, man. Tell the folks again uh, where can we follow you along on social media? Yeah, so I'm at uh, basically at Smooth Turn Two on li- literally everything. Um, just my easy way of being able to follow, um, and then uh. Just writing, uh, you know, random things for racing dudes um, when I have a great experience. So um, you can expect something very shortly on my last Sunday and in the next uh, couple weeks here in Vegas. Sean Alvarez, you'll be hearing him again uh, coming very soon on That's What G Said. Thanks a lot, Sean. Uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back with plenty more. One of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Sarah Candle Company, C-E-R-A Candles.com. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, you get 10% off of your purchase. The goal of this company was to create a candle 100% natural and clean burning and high quality that everyone can enjoy. They use all natural soy wax, none of those toxins that are found in paraffin wax that's used by a lot of other leading brands. That natural soy wax will actually hold a 
scent better and burned up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candles. These are lead-free, cotton wicks, natural scents. You got over 25 different scents available, three different sizes, best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable pricing, longer burning. They care about you over at Sarah Candles too. They give you instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean, how to ensure the perfect burn, make sure you do it safely while you're trimming the wick and you're putting out the uh, the flame with the top of the candle. Sarah candles.com. Make sure to take a look at Sarah Candle Company with the holiday seasons coming up. Uh, great sense to match any type of gift you want to get for your friends, the mood for Thanksgiving, Christmas, or any holidays that you will be celebrating in the coming months. SarahCandles.com. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. Sean Alvarez helping us out with the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And Sean and I felt similar uh, about new mandate. For me, he's a he's worthy of a win wager. Anything over six to one, uh, I just love everything I've seen from this one. Who's looking for his fourth in a row? I was extremely impressed with his most recent start, where he had just a ton of trouble, angled wide at all, and really responded. It was visually impressive, and I think he will continue to progress. In this spot, that's the number two new mandate. I have the two, the six, Mustabik, and the nine, Battleground, as my top tier of horses, with the eight, Out of Door, filing in right behind them, Cadillac, Gretzky, Go Atletico, a couple other horses that I, uh, I would also look to, depending on how you're playing this race with exotics. But for me, it's new mandate. And along with new mandate, it would be the, uh, the six and the nine as sort of that top tier without a door right below them. Let's see if we can get new mandate home in race seven, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. We are now going to Head on to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Let's move to race number eight on Friday at Keeneland. Ryan Dickey will be joining us to talk about the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Okay, it's time to talk Juvenile Phillies. We're going to race number eight on Friday, Breeders' Cup Keeneland. And we're looking at November the 6th, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. These two-year-old 16th joining me to discuss this race back for a... Fourth, fifth time now. I've had him on a a bunch talking racing, a handicapper and writer, Ryan Dickey. Ryan, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well today. How about yourself, Gino? Oh man, doing great. Like I said, we are, and I appreciate you being uh, super flexible too. We're recording this early Tuesday morning, so um, we've looked at the pre-entries for a while, and then Monday night we got the draw, we got the odds, so we've had plenty of time to uh, to you know look at this field, and we've got an interesting group. I, I think you know we'll go inside to outside, and we'll talk about everyone, but just overall, the thing that I found interesting in um, just following along with. People that I'm sure you follow too on social media and stuff. A lot of racing people. Very few people seem to be high on Princess Nor in this spot. And you, when you when you just look at numbers and figures, she is no cinch in this race by any means. She does not tower over this field. They're very plain. There are four or five horses in here that actually have just better speed figures when you look at them. But you got to remember, she hasn't really been tested. She's absolutely crushed. Groups in all three 
And this is a Baffert filly, you know. He he knows better than anyone how to get horses ready for these big races. So um, I, I just thought I've thought overall the con the conversation on her is interesting. Like hearing the way people have talked, I I would expect her to be five to one at first click and not nine to five. Sure, I mean her her last race it was very visually appealing. She she looked like she ran very well. She did run okay. Um, the thing that I think is the most telling for that race is not only did she run well, the other horses in that race, the chandelier, they ran very poor Yeah, and it made it look like she was just so much better and she was so much better than them. But I mean, she didn't it's a really great point. Beat, it's a good point that you mentioned. She beat, that's something too. When you beat a group and, and the others run well and you run well and you beat them, that's one thing. Or if you run well and they all kind of run, eh. but she ran well in a combination with, Everybody else not running well And and that and that's why her speed figures Are sort of low And and she's really crushed gr- a group And would she be a surprise in here? No, but um, for a, a short price horse You know, there are definitely some things to knock Let's let's start with the inside here We'll go inside outside Since we, we have a, a small field We can really hit on a, on everyone here The the one simply ravishing I mean, pretty difficult to knock this one, Ryan, she's three for three She's won on the grass She's won in a race that was taken off the grass And then she's run on a straight dirt race Last time out when she wired the field In the Alcibiades And she, you'd imagine she's going to be forwardly placed in here She might not be the fastest But she's she's quick And it's really tough to knock What she's done, she's a quality animal Absolutely, and she has a great Backstory um, Her Her dam was basically a rescue She was uh, purchased for the sum of five hundred dollars uh, from Meg Le- Levy at um, where she actually had Blue Water Sales. And when she bought this mare, she was in full to Revolutionary, and she had a nice little Revolutionary colt. And and Meg said, "Hey, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and breed her back to Lauban." Now Lauban's had great success, and if you look at some of the sires in this race, you got Lauban, you got Nyquist, uh, Into Mischief. And, uh, you know, Uncle Mo, and then even not this time, there's a lot of really good pedigrees in this race, a lot of upcoming sires, but Simply Ravishing was the result of the first breeding after she purchased this mare for $500 and she's done nothing wrong. I mean, she won at Keeneland, she won going the same distance, she won grade one, she looks great, she won by six and a quarter lengths last time. I think she's the one to beat in this race. I agree with you 100% about Princess Noor. Maybe she'll 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 do well, but the horse to beat in this race. I agree. I think she she's the what she's shown has just been um, simply ravishing. I mean, she's very well named. She, she oh yeah, you know, well send, send your checks here, yeah. folks. Comedy <laughs> hour, and that's what G well said. Um, Vequist, another. Uh, that's what nice is you go through this field and you, there are quality fillies. She's real quality. She has done you know another little wrong. She crushed. In the spinway after just being defeated in her maiden race So she comes back off of a four and a half furlong race at Parks And she wins by nine plus at Saratoga in a grade one Comes back in the frisette And the difference between her and Day uh, out of the office Both very quality in the frisette May have just been the post and sort of the trip Because Vequist was down on the inside and Day at the office was able to sit a much nicer trip right to the outside And that sort of made Vequist 
have to kind of shuffle back a little and then come around and try to go after day out of, uh, of the office who who got the jump in there. So the two and the three, they both come out of the frisette. They ran one two in that race. We're talking about two lightly raced animals, and I mean they they both have ability. I would not talk anyone off using either. I'm I'm higher on day out of the office. I really loved what I saw from her, and I like that she can sit. I think if if the race shapes up with simply ravishing trying to go to the lead from the inside day out of the office could sit i think that day out of the office might even be the quickest in here it wouldn't shock me to see her on the lead or she she's shown she can sit second or third so uh, i like where she is and sort of where she's drawn compared to the other speeds what are some of your thoughts on uh, on vequist and then we can move to day out of the office well it, it's good that they're two and three in this race because they're they're both coming out of that frisette and the frisette is traditionally one of the prep races for this juvenile Phillies race uh, that you want to look at. Now, the only problem here is that's a one turn, uh, one turn mm-hmm. mile. And so neither one of, uh, neither one of these horses that we're talking about here have, have made the two turn jump, which I think is a big, big deal in I the agree. Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So it, it helps uh, every progression like, and, and what that's, what's nice when you look at the horses that are going to be in the, the the tier of shorter prices, that's a major check on the on the box that simply ravishing has over the others is that win here over this layout of this racetrack. Yeah, and you look at these two. Um, you know, Vequist is trained by you know Robert Reed and is based out of Parks, and Day Out of the Office is trained by Tim Ham and has been basically at Thistledown. So we're talking about you know they're not the the premier places to uh, stable breeders cup horses you'd think but i mean they ran a very very good frisette and i I wouldn't discount either one of those and i'm with you i would probably prefer day out of the office uh between the two of them yeah and and i think the same thing again for vequis like if vequis was drawn more towards the outside again i would i would like her and maybe she'd have an opportunity to kind of stalk and press a little i could see her down on the inside you know it, it Maybe getting shuffled a little bit and not and not having the easiest of trips. So we'll see what the the tactics are with the three inside horses who are all quick. I mean, any one of them wouldn't be a shock if they ended up on the lead. Thoughtfully is kind of an interesting horse, just in that she was so dominant in her first two. But she her you know when we're talking about speed figures in this race and talking about Princess Noor for a, a horse who just crushed like that, she she got nothing on. I mean, very, very low for a horse winning a grade two and who had crushed um, off of a, a good maiden score. And and then in the Alcibiade, she just really didn't show up at all. And who knows? Maybe she, I, she might just not be that good. She might just be what their speed figures are. I can sort of understand why Asmussen throws her in here, though. It's just a field of seven. And... If she's coming from off the pace, she might be able to to, to kind of clunk up and hit the board. I, I just can't see her winning. She would really have to improve, and three or four of the others would would probably have to really regress. I agree. Uh, thoughtfully is the one of the seven entries in this race that I like the least, mm-hmm. um, and it's probably because you know she's a tappet, so she could very well get better next year. But I don't think that there's going to be much difference between when she ran on October second and what she's going to run on. Or the sixth, so I, I don't. I really don't really like her. I mean, she is a Grade Two winner. She has a nice resume. I think we'll see more from her next year. Yep. 
I agree. Just just doesn't feel like the the right spot for her. And hey, I, I hope she runs well. I have her on a fantasy league, and they, you know, so I'd I'd be I'd be ecstatic if she runs well and picks up some points for me. But can't really see it here. Um, Girl Daddy, another one who you you can't really knock. She debuted sprinting at Ellis, going six furlongs. Then she took a little a uh, step forward, going at Churchill Downs. But as you were mentioning, one turn mile there, a little bit different than this mile layout here, but. Done nothing wrong She has that nice kind of tactical style Where she doesn't have to be right on the lead But she can sit a few lengths behind And Romans has in the juvenile races uh, Sort of a, a couple wild card horses I think she's one of them here Where she's probably not in that top tier Of the betting choices Along with Simply Ravishing Day at the Office And Princess Noor and then after her, you'll probably have a couple others that'll be high up on the board. She's going to be in that middle range, I think, right around that five or six to one. And um, I don't, I don't have many knocks on her. Um, she, she, you know, she's, I think, just maybe a cut below those those other three, and and maybe not even that much below a horse like Princess Noor. There's a big difference to me between having two races under your belt and having three races under your belt. It might not seem like a lot, but when you come to the Breeders' Cup juvenile races, I don't really like horses that have only had two starts. Foundation. And this is going to be her first time going two turns like the rest of, like, you know, a couple of the other uh, major contenders. I just like them better. She's done nothing wrong. She'll probably have a, a much better year as a sophomore. Uh, as far as the seven horses in this race, I have her sixth. Yeah, yeah, I, I I sort of feel the same with you. She's not, I, I don't. She she wouldn't be a shock, but as far as her progression along the way, I like the others that are are sort of a step more along the way. Crazy beautiful of the, I guess of the longer prices, I could absolutely see her hitting the board. I don't know if she's good enough to win. I I think that last time out was a race we can probably cross out just in that. Her running style I think is going to be better And I would expect to see her kind of taking back And trying to make one late run and pick up the pieces She, when Simply Ravishing got away She was the one who ended up having to try and chase that one Or else Simply Ravishing would have, you know, been five or six lengths clear So I think she ended up doing the dirty work I could see her getting a take back And pass some of these horses that were caught up in the pace battle early on So I wouldn't dismiss her at the, you know Second, third, and fourth spots Bottom of your tries and supers I I don't know if she could jump up and beat any of the top ones though Here's what I like about her The only other horse in this race That start, that had a debut At a mile or longer Was Simply Ravishing Which is the other McPeak horse mm-hmm. I like the fact that she started off She started off on the turf at a mile at Ellis Park That's fine She won, she won handily That's That's good Then she stays at Ellis Park and she wins a stakes race next out, but she goes back to seven furlongs. She goes back on Churchill Downs in, in September, back to a mile again, this time on the dirt in a grade three. She comes in second behind Girl Daddy, who's also in this race. Then she goes a mile and the 16th, two turns, and Alcibiades, a grade one race. She finished second. Obviously, she was beaten by um, her, her stable mate by six and a quarter lengths, but She's checking all the boxes for me, 20 to 1. I think she's a steal. She's the one to use underneath. I think we could see a McPeak, McPeak, uh, exacto. Yeah, that, w- that would not shock me at all. The What's nice about his two runners is they complement each other very well in here. You know, in, in that you just feel like simply ravishing is going to be moving from the inside. Crazy beautiful today in this spot. Going to have a bunch better opportunity to just sit 
fifth, sixth, more mid-pack to the back of the pack and relax early and then just try to mow them all down late or pass as many as she can um, as as a price. I I like her more than a few others for sure. She would probably be in like a third, fourth spot in this race for me. Uh, Crazy, beautiful, big price with an opportunity In a small field to at least hit the board here And then we got Princess Noor, we talked a little bit About her to start, she's the number 7 in here Your 9 to 5 morning line favorite, she's 3 for 3 She's undefeated, she has She's got the progression nicely from 5.5 to 7 to a mile and a 16th And she's done everything She's asked of her, right? I mean we're not even Talking about races that have been close She has dusted races, horses In races where she really hasn't been Asked, it's just so is simply ravishing. <laughs> so has day they out of the office. They, they've kind of done the same thing, and they've done it with better numbers, with better speed figures. Simply ravishing has the uh, advantage of the the two turns and the local here, and day out of the office might have an advantage of being a little bit quicker early. So, I mean, I, I just at a, at the short price in here, I I'm with I think a lot of the other people in that I prefer the other two shorter prices. I. She could sit a nice trip from the outside in, the, in a small field, and, and, but if she wins at two to one or under, there are plenty of two to one shots I can find on any given day anywhere. Ryan, I'll kind of just uh, you know clap my hands and move forward to later on Friday and then on to Saturday because I just feel like you you're better off if if the morning lines hold here, you know. I, I would I would have a tough time playing her. The only way I I think I would be able to throw her into the mix. Is if she really floated up Yeah my big thing against her Is you know her trainer's been in the news a little while Yeah, yeah. For a couple things Yeah, And uh, there's plenty of scrutiny here With the Breeders Cup Now he has obviously he's you know he's all, all world He's won all sorts of Breeders Cup races He won with Silver Bullet Day in 98 In this race He ran in 2000 or won in 2007 with Indian Blessing In this race She's going to be the favorite here Princess Noor uh, I don't think she deserves it And I don't want any part of her Whatsoever, I hope she finishes fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh. That's all I really care about in this race. Yeah, I'm. I'm she won't be on a lot of my tickets. Um, Princess Nora, a favorite, uh, willing to play against in here. And for me, I'm. I lean a little more today out of the office, but I completely respect simply ravishing. Those will probably be two. I build a lot of my exotics around. I'll include crazy beautiful in some of them, and then you know on. Underneath I'll I'll probably throw in some girl daddy Some Vequist to complete you know the tries And the supers but Princess Nora is going to be Out of of most I think you're Sounds like you're feeling the same way like I'm I'm fine With just letting her beat me In here if she can especially in The pick fours and fives and those kind of wagers Yeah That's pretty much we we, we See this race very very Similarly I would really like To see the McPeak McPeak uh, Exacta but I, I I feel that maybe simply ravishing is just a little bit better than number three day out of the office. So it might come in one three six. I think if I were to bet a straight trifecta, I would go one three six here. Ryan, you've uh, had some uh, some work out that I've seen recently with uh, yeah. some of my old friends over at Pass the Wire. Uh, love John Stetton and the crew over there. Uh, let us know where we can find it. Let us know some of the stuff you've been working on and uh, where we can uh, can catch up with you on social media. Well, all of the uh, juvenile races, so all five juvenile races, I'm doing a little write-up. Uh, yesterday, I had this one out, so it made it made it real easy. So I'm glad you chose me to cho- to uh, do the juvenile fillies. That made things much easier Perfect. for me. <laughs> so thanks. Um, we'll be doing all the other races this week leading up to Friday. 
And you can find me on Twitter at rdickey249. And by the way, uh, how about those Dodgers and how about those Lakers? Oh man, I gotta say, man, I'm going to do a show, I think next week with, uh, like a bunch of my friends and then just a bunch of fans online where they get to call it in for five minutes each or so. And just kind of share some thoughts and memories because yeah, it's a, the the Lakers was awesome and and in, in in a tough year right everything's been going with been struggling this year so I think individually when we can have some of these little victories like for our sports teams or good days at the track or something anything to kind of uplift us in a real anxious you know year with so much going on I, I, I it was great and I got to share it with my son this what a spoiled little kid huh the first <laughs> the first sports he ever seen and rooted for in his life the night he was the day he was born. Um, the Lakers played the Suns, and I was watching the game on the phone right there with him and showing him. And we have pictures of me showing him, like, okay, here's the Lakers, you know. And uh, and and for me, the the Dodgers have won once in my lifetime, and I was a year, you know, a year and a half old. I had no idea what was going on. So there were th- this was a even though it was a shortened season and and all that. I will say this one for I think the Dodger fans in in general felt like a lot more than one. It kind of felt like a very good like um you know like lifetime achievement award for the Clayton Kershaw era of the Dodgers. You know like just they finally got over the hump. I'm really happy for him and for them. And as you could see, you opened up a can of worms because I would keep you here and talk for like two hours and just ramble. <laughs> Well, we're not going to do that today, <laughs> Ryan. Dude, you, no, not not today. You, you're the man. Uh, I, I appreciate you uh, you talking with us, and um, I'm going to look forward to reading the the rest of your write ups uh, the the rest of the week over on Past the Wire. Thank you very much for having me again. I appreciate it. That is Ryan Dickey. You heard where to follow him and uh, get the rest of his uh, thoughts on the juvenile races later this week on PastTheWire.com. Don't go anywhere, folks. We've got uh, another race to discuss right after this. We've known full-service realtor Cindy Carava for quite some time, and she is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. That's exactly the type of person you need when you're dealing with real estate. You want someone that's going to be honest with you, that's going to be telling you what's going on, and this is a full-service realtor. She can help you out in many different ways. Cindy Carava, uh, if the name sounds familiar, the wife of uh, former horse racing trainer Jack Carava, who is now uh, an agent. For Tyler Bays, who's been a mainstay on the Southern California racing circuit, Cindy can help you out in so many different ways selling, purchasing, leasing, help you finding vendors like handymen, painters, landscapers, and gardeners that she personally has used. If you need help getting pre approved for a home loan, she can connect you with the right people and the lenders that she's worked closely with. She covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, parts of North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. Even if you're just curious to see how much your home is worth, she can do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find Cindy on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. Or if you just go to CindyCarava.com, you can find all of the contact information there. For all of your real estate needs, CindyCarava.com. Okay, we uh, move along. Actually, before we get to the the juvenile Phillies turf, just overview on the juvenile Phillies. So for me, it's the three. It's it's day out of the office who I, I like the most in here. Um, I do respect the simply ravishing quite a bit. I I give Girl Daddy a little more of a shot than um than than Ryan did. I'm just not that high on Princess Noir, not at that price. The 
The six crazy beautiful as a, a big long shot, I would not dismiss using in the bottom of your exotics there, hitting the board in the two, three, four spots. So to me, it just, you know, the three is where I would start and single. And then on, in other spots, I would end up using probably the three inside horses. It would be one, two, three, five, and six. I'd leave out the four and the seven most likely because I had. Uh, don't want to take a short price on Princess Noor. Thoughtfully, I think, is a little bit up against it. Everyone else in here with a, a good effort could could su- surprise. But so it would be one one ticket or one approach singling day out of the office and uh, another where we're spreading out a little bit and using combinations of those, but uh, against Princess Noor. Now we head to race number nine on Friday at Keeneland. We're going to talk Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf with Andy Villanueva. Okay, we are on to race Breeders' Cup Friday, so past performances to race nine for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. They're going to be headed a mile out at Keeneland. Joining me to discuss this race, handicapper, you've heard him on this show a couple times. It's been a while since we uh, we talked to Sam Houston the last few times, which is going to be coming up soon, Andy. Very excited for that. But today our focus will be Breeders' Cup race number nine. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here and can't wait for Friday and Saturday. Big days of racing. Awesome stuff. So let's get right into it. Um, I, this is a, a very, very interesting race and, and one of the ones that you'd imagine many directions you could go when you've got young horses like this going long on the turf course. Just as far as the, the wagering is concerned, the top kind of tier of betting choices, it looks like. Aunt Pearl, who is two for two, undefeated. She was excellent in the the Jessamine winning the grade two there, and she's really, really quick. You've got Plum Ali, who's three for three. She's undefeated. She's got a little more tactical speed. She'll probably be more mid-pack to back of the mid-pack. And then you have Camp and Yell for Wesley Ward. Those three are, you know, the three shortest choices um, on the morning line. Camp and Yell is a group one winner. She uh, is three for three and undefeated. She won at Ascot and then over at Deauville. So not a not a bad top tier to begin with here. And, and I mean, the, there are so many ways you can go. There really are. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, I can make a knock on every single one of those top tier horses i yeah. think uh with campanelle you're you're having a filly that stretches out and the only way she knows how to go is to the front and with uh with uh uh aunt pearl that jessamine if you go back and look at it she had an easy lead but if just the entire card on turf anything that was on the front end stayed on the front end it was a merry-go-round type day there on the turf course and she's just not going to get that easy lead with those stretch outs and all that. I, I kind of like a lot of the European horses in this field to, so, uh, to make yeah, and, runs. And, and I think I'm I'm definitely against Aunt Pearl. I feel like she's one-dimensional. I'll probably use Camp and Yell in some spots, maybe just thinking maybe she's just a freak and stretching out. She can even get in front of Aunt Pearl and just run everybody off their feet here. Uh, Plum Ali, she – I don't really have as many – of the, of the favorites, I prefer her – no doubt about it of the other two because I think she's as you said she's prop more likely in here to get a better trip but you you mentioned some euros and I think I saw you talking about one on uh, on social media um and and, and I I'm, forgive me if you don't want to talk this one but there's an interesting story about the number 8 mother earth in here is that one of the horses you wanted to talk about that's definitely one of the horses um I was going to act that's actually one of my that's probably my best bet of the day for Friday his mother earth at 20 to one. I mean, you're going to get a price on her. 
But the most important part with her is she's got tactical speed. If nobody wants the lead, she'll go to the lead. And, you know, as good as uh, Campanel is in Europe, that one race or two races, those fillies face the two, probably the two best Euro, two-year-old fillies on turf in shale and pretty gorgeous. And yep has finished third, and then you also got Odonata, who's also run in that same type of class. So um, I think a lot of people are going to look at the Americans and go, well, you know, they're pretty head and shoulders, but these two fillies specifically are really going to be tough. Yeah, there there were some inclusion, um, and I kind of... In the longer races, even with younger horses, I the sprint races sometimes I worry about the European horses um, coming over and keeping up. Any of the longer races at all, it doesn't doesn't bother me. And uh, I'm with you. I, I think Mother Mother Earth is the one. So the the story about Mother Earth in her last race, um, she was running with another Aiden O'Brien trained um, horse, and yeah, they got mixed up. The name Snowfall. They got mixed up. They ran under each other's name. So when it looked like Snowfall finished third at what was around 50 to 1, once they did a little digging, they actually found out that it was Mother Earth who ran third in that race that day. Yeah, and, and that's why it's so, so important, especially with the Euros. I mean, not not that it happens often, but you have to go back and you have to go look at all the races that yep. the grade ones. And I took I took a big – I always do this with your, with uh, Breeders' Cup Day. I go back. I look at all the races, the grade ones, the stake races, the preps. And when I was looking at it, I'm like, that looks like Mother Earth. That doesn't look like Snowfall. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, Snowfall's got the little – the little tiny star on her forehead and you know mother earth is kind of just like regular regular faced and i'm like that's mother earth that isn't snowfall and then i go look in the in the pps and i see that they made the changes and i'm like dang it i'm like oh <laughs> you're hoping to get something that nobody else would have seen yeah, yeah exactly yeah i think it was something reading the story aiden o'brien who wasn't around said something similar uh, was quoted as saying something similar to you like he saw it and was like oh no he knew he knew right away he he wasn't well, i guess the one there handling it and he was somewhere else handling a, a different horse so um yeah co- interesting story there with yeah. mother earth and and you know pretty gorgeous if she were to be running here um i know shale probably wasn't going to run here because she kind of she kind of had a really rough race last time out, but pretty gorgeous. Um, man, she's a beast. She's big. She's tall. She's really muscled up, and she looks like a boy. I mean, no offense to the girls, but man, that Philly, that Philly, if she were out here, would be easily eight to five, seven to five morning line favorite. It's great class for mother earth who she's been keeping up i mean another one you talk about yeah you talked about un uh, undada who's done very little wrong she's again been beaten twice by shale and pretty gorgeous so it's it's too really tough to to knock her she's sort of lightly raced and she hasn't done as much she should she could be forgotten about um what about the anyone else that miss amulets another one who was you know group one place last time out going six furlongs but i prefer and i think i, I Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I see. So, um, my my way of thinking is, if you're going to get, if you're going to go on a European bandway or European horse, especially with Breeders' Cup, you want a horse that's got some foundation to him, yep. already yep. raced a mile. Completely agree in this one. Um, has has basically has basically gone up and down the hills, so they got a little bit more foundation than the Americans who who are basically used to the flat racing. 
Totally agree. So that point why... you more to Mother Earth versus some of the other ones who are more seven furlongs. Even a horse like Miss Amulet, we've only seen going five and six furlongs. So yeah. it's not. I, I agree. When they when they come over the European horses on the grass, I want them. A lot of the times, it's because they have an advantage, right? And it really, whatever they've been running farther, yeah. bigger races against tougher company. And um, when you come over like this, and you're going to be having to travel and do something for the first time, it. I'm not as high on you. Uh, the positive is it's not going to be like a short price situation for either. Just get some value in it, but yeah. I definitely like some others more. Yeah, and I mean that's that's you know that's what makes this game so great. It's everybody has their own opinion, and you know you you make uh, you make a decision based on what you see and how you handicap. I I just don't think that the Americans are at the same pace as the as the Europeans are. Not to mention. You know, it's been cold at Keeneland. It's not. It's not warm. Those Europeans probably already have started growing their winter coats, and that's going to be a positive compared to the Phillies that haven't, because there's a lot of those Phillies in America that aren't as uh, as you know. They're a little bit more slick and a little bit more lean than than the European Phillies. So uh, we're talking Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf here with Andy Villanueva. Um, we've gone through m- most of the field in here. Uh, who or is there anyone else that we haven't mentioned? And if not, give us some of your kind of final thoughts on the race and, and maybe how you'll be playing it. Um, I like Plum Ali, but I like her underneath. Um, I'll be playing this field. I'll be playing. Uh, I'll be playing with. Uh, with Mother Earth and just using her for everything right now. Mother Maybe Earth. a little Audenata too as well. But I'm not going to take any of the Americans on this. Mother Earth as a, a key horse and will definitely one on top for Andy in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. Andy, thank you so much. I appreciate you doing this with me early on Tuesday morning. Let some of the folks out there know where can we follow you on social media. And uh, I would love to have you back soon. Uh, we're not too far away from Sam Houston. I know a track that we both love to play. Yeah, it's a great place to be and uh, watch races. And everybody can follow me at a Villanueva third at uh, Twitter. Andy Villanueva, thank you so much, buddy. Have a great rest of your day and good luck this weekend. You too. Thank you. Do not go anywhere, folks. We'll be back with uh, much more. We'll be heading on to race number 10. Another of the difficult races to discuss there with uh, Andy V. We, uh, you know, have to be looking at a race that, that I'll be look, using at least a few. Um, I thought Alda was uh, was interesting. Not necessarily a horse I talked a whole lot about. She took back the last of seven early. She was five off. She was in the two-path. She was up to fifth just a couple lengths off and then she got shifted out a bit when the horse next to her didn't corner she was a clear-cut second and i thought she was a, a pretty solid second that day the four plum ali i'll be using everywhere i think she's the one to beat so i'm not going to be leaving her off my tickets anywhere the 10 camp and yell will be uh, on some of the tickets that, that i that i've got those are probably sort of towards the top after them it becomes you know spread out city here it's two five nine eight and and twelve so three four ten as my top tier two five nine eight twelve as horses to use underneath them in some of the exotics or if you want to spread out in this race and then uh single in in one or 
you know, the other races in the pick five, something like that. Because this isn't a race where I would single. I actually have maybe three different spots throughout the pick five that I'd be okay with singling. But race number nine, I'd be more likely to to want at least a, a few in here. Finish things up for Breeders' Cup Friday with Barry Spears talking Breeders' Cup Juvenile. It is main event time for Friday, Breeders' Cup Friday. We're going to flip to race number 10 at Keeneland if you're following along with your past performances. And we are talking about November the 6th. Going to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Joining me, good friend, Barry Spears. So, uh, Barry, a couple important questions. Uh, number one, when we're talking about uh, juvenile, are we talking about slow motion for me or are we talking about back that ass up? <laughs> Man, those are both classics. So the, you, right? you can't take go wrong back. with either one. They take me back for sure. I was I was laughing last night. I was like, I think we're looking through all the juvenile races. I was like, okay, which ones are juvenile songs? I was going back and looking up oh, some of the man, popular ones. I was great. like getting I was in this little rabbit hole on YouTube going through some of the old old ones. So uh yeah, we we've got the uh the Breeders' Cup Juvenile to talk about. So we got a fun race, Barry, because not only is this a race where we're obviously handicapped and trying to pick the winner, but Whenever we see these juvenile races, and, and in this case, we're looking at two-year-olds, we're already kind of in the back of our head thinking, oh, these might be derby horses next year. So that's always kind of like a, a two-for-one when you're looking at the young horses. Yeah, it is. And, you know, actually, funny enough, um, I was thinking about this also um, when I was looking over the races. You know, if if a horse can come out of this race and and make it to the derby and be a contender, that's a pretty big feat. I mean, a lot of these horses kind of – you know, end up peaking a little bit early. Um, and, and then year. other horses, yeah. right. Get, you know, they get passed later on by, by, uh, some younger types or, or lightly race types, I should say. Um, but you know, the few that we've had that came out of this race and was prevalent come derby season have been very good horses. So it's always a, a good thing to have a horse in this race. We got a big field too of a of 14 and I guess we can just kind of start with, um, the, the horse is your morning line favorite And that's Jackie's Warrior in here And hey, you really can't knock what he's done, Barry He's four for four He is a three-time graded stakes winner He's really, really fast um, But I think when you're looking at favorites And you're trying to, um, to you know, um, poke some holes You're going to look and say Okay, well, he hasn't gone this far yet He hasn't gone the mile in a 16th And he'll definitely be facing What looks like the toughest group he's going to, to deal with What do you think of Jackie's Warrior? Um, I, I think Jackie's warrior is superior to every horse in this race. Um, like you said, there's very few knocks on him. Um, you know, obviously going two turns to me means more than actually the distance. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he's never gone that trip around two turns, which, you know, sometimes can be a little bit difficult for a young horse like that. Um, but as far as his speed, he towers over this field. It's it's unbelievable how much faster he is on paper than everybody else. And and he's a deserving favorite. They're they're going to have to catch him. They're going to have to beat him. Uh, when you look up and down a field like this with young horses stretching out, though, maybe a couple others that uh, that could be forwardly placed. I think like the next tier we would probably go to to talk about would be essential quality and reinvestment risk. For reinvestment risk, he's had to chase Jackie's Warrior twice, and that's probably. He, he reinvestment risk would be better in a situation like this. I think a bigger field. If somebody else can 
maybe go and soften up Jackie's warrior a little bit and he doesn't have to do that that that's where he might be best and that may not even be this race but maybe down the line he's been a little unlucky having to deal with that horse who's just a little bit faster than him in a couple starts yeah um it, it's it's just a, a strange kind of thing when when you see horses like that um chasing what seems to be a, a better horse and it, it it's it's crazy it's almost like in in sports you know you play a team let's say three times they handle you twice but the third time you're able to to turn yep. the tables on them see it in football and right all the time all too? the time yeah and it's like you, these, these guys are way better we've seen them play twice already but the third time the other team beats them the underdog so there, there could be a little of that in play with reinvestment risk you know um chasing Jackie's warrior twice like you know he, he just didn't look like he was ever going to go by at any point in the race but you know it's the British Cup going around two turns some some other little variables that could turn the tables I actually don't like reinvestment risk too much um just because of that reason that you know I, I, you're I looking for really like a, a new face right. a new face if it's going to be somebody to beat Jackie's warrior would that maybe be essential quality uh no, it's actually likable. Nice. There we go. I, I I like that horse a lot. Um, I think that the the past performances, at least the the maiden win, um, on September nineteenth, was a little bit deceiving. I, I think it's a little bit faster than what it appears on paper, and I don't think this horse needs the lead either. So you know, I'm I'm expecting Johnny V to try to try to sit a good trip here. And and kind of make a run. I I don't know if if, if this horse is fast enough to beat uh, Jackie's Warrior, but that's that's where I'm going with this. And probably you know using maybe reinvestment risk for third. But I, I'm I'm liking the cold exacted Jackie's Warrior likable. And likable, the number four who should offer you uh, some really nice value, fifteen to one on the morning line for Pletcher. I'm going to be using likable in a lot of my exotics, and and I think we hit on the top. You know probably. At least three or four of the top choices A couple others to discuss I mean, anytime you see Baffert throw a horse Like Classier in here I mean, this horse just ran on October 24th A couple weeks ago And uh, they wheel him right back You always gotta take a little bit of notice Because someone like Baffert Wouldn't just toss a horse into a race Like He doesn't get like the Derby or Breeders' Cup fever You know, he's been there so many times So this horse has some ability It's just it's quite a bit to ask for a horse coming back really quickly, having to deal with a lot of other seasoned horses, and also having to stretch out from six and a half. That just feels like he he's going to have to be really, really good to beat this group. Yeah, um, you know, and and it could be a situation where he could be a freak yeah. going yeah. going two turns. I you know it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, if this horse just steps up and runs a big race, but I, I'm with you. It's kind of a huge ask. And if, um, if he's to, like ten, if if he's around that price of twelve to one or so, then that's okay. Like you know, then at least price is built into to some of those things that you're gonna have to take. He's not like a like it, it wouldn't be like you're taking a short price Baffert horse, um, right? So, uh, so I can I can accept it a little bit as far as using it, but it's still as as far as like best chances to win this race. I still have him stacked below a few others. Yeah, to, I mean somewhere between twelve to fifteen to one is is probably. Fair value but I you know Unfortunately my opinion I think That uh, the Baffert horse Is going to get bet a little bit lower than that And I, and I can't touch that horse under 10 to 1 at I agree the very bottom 
and and I would prefer your horse at similar likable at a similar price. If you're going to get the two of them at if you're and if you're looking for a price in this race going against Jackie's Warrior, I'd much prefer the one that you mentioned, Likable. What's nice about Likable too is he's got a race at a mile under his belt too. I, I like sometimes the progression. It's a little bit easier to have to go a mile and a sixteenth once you've already gone seven and a mile also. So that's another positive for Likable. Um, horse to mention who's sort of a, a wild card, I guess, could be sitting on go. He's a, a horse who's you know have, hasn't really been tested in his two starts. He's two for two. He's undefeated. Romans uh, generally does a, a really good job with uh, with younger horses like this um, sitting on go. What are some of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, not much uh, not to like at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's run two turn. I, or actually, no, I'm sorry. He's only been one turn. That was a Churchill mile at Churchill, and ran very very well um, on the stretch out. So it wouldn't surprise me if he stepped up and ran a better race. Um, you know, one one horse that really, really jumped out to me, too, that I, I you know, and, and, the, and this is atypical of me, is I don't appreciate the rider that's riding <laughs> the horse <laughs> is uh, Rumbauer. I, I think that horse has a big shot. He's, he's run two turns already um, and, and actually ran pretty well last time in the American Pharaoh. Um, kind of a bad breaker all three times. Mm-hmm. Just didn't get out of the gate, got bumped. You know, just just hadn't had a good start, and that's fine here too because he may be the one that that kind of sucks up late, passes tired horses, yeah. and gets in the in the try of the super. Yeah, and at a decent price too. Uh, one of those, you know, over ten to one shots. That what you're sort of looking for, especially if you're someone who's going to be playing Jackie, like sort of how you, how you were kind of looking at the race. Maybe Jackie's Warrior on top of some others. He would be a nice horse to uh, to include with some of those others. Um, you know, as we look up and down the field, I think we've hit most of the uh, the other top contenders. And it's a big field of fourteen. Is there anyone else in here that you might be using in in some of your exotics? Um, no, I mean, you know, a horse like Camp Hope is just hopeless, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, um, I, but yeah, but to... I think we touched on all the ones. Maybe maybe a horse like Next could do something from Wesley Ward. Um, the the internal fractions on that race was pretty pretty solid and and could stack up and and you know depending on the running style and what kind of trip they want to get, that horse could be kind of in the mix too. Yeah, sort of a wild card They're a little bit untested off of the big win um, At Keeneland Just like you said, don't they don't really know what they've got here It's sort of like, hey, let, let's take a swing and, and see And yeah, you look up, up and down this big field And I, I think we hit the main the main contenders And Jackie's Warrior will be <laughs> Probably one of the shorter prices On, on, on both of the, the Breeders' Cup days and, and, and very intriguing to watch Because I think all along He's been a horse that they knew was good But they, were, they weren't sure how far he'd want to keep going but every he's answered every test along the way. This will be his toughest. But he he if he just keeps progressing as everybody else keeps progressing, he's going to be tough. It's a very very interesting race. I think I like essential quality probably a little more than you because I think he can he can stalk. But it I, this wasn't a race where Barry. I think I couldn't really get past the ones that we talked about. I couldn't really find any of the even like the real big bust out long shots. I thought um, to me, I think you know maybe I, I was looking at likable. I was looking at um, also classier. You kind of have to look at and just kind of take and see what price you're going to get. Sit in it, go. Those to me feel like the prices. And you mentioned Ram, Ram Bauer. So I think if you're wanting to get maybe a little creative, that would probably be in a direction I would go with one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I 
it's just crazy unless something really chaotic happens uh kind of like last year um where just you know jackie's war just decides not to show up <laughs> um i i think it'll be slightly formful um you know i, I was making comparisons uh, myself and and chuck simon uh were making comparisons of jackie's warrior to to um devil's bag back in 1983 um if you go back and watch that horse's champagne it's crazy similar to uh jackie's warriors trip uh the, in the champagne too so that may be something to look at i mean devil's bag was was highly touted and, and just a spectacular horse before he got hurt um but you know jackie's word could be could be really a beast in this race but you know i, I i'm not sure what kind of price you're gonna get i mean if he's you know three to five can you can you really play him yeah, and 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 especially the the race that we're talking about and the way we're talking about this race, it's the tenth. So I mean, if you're if your approach is you like Jackie's Warrior, maybe you're playing the pick four, pick five leading into him, and you're singled or a situation like that. Maybe you're playing a couple pick fours where one of them you're singled, and then the other one you can use like you have a likable and maybe another price or two along with Jackie's Warrior. However, your approach might be. That's that's probably if you're on Jackie's Warrior, that's probably the best way to try to to get some money out of him, or or like you said. Maybe you're playing him on top with Likeable, Rom Bauer And you know maybe reinvestment Risk underneath and and So try to get some value out of him So yeah I mean th- that's what's nice is there are some ways And there's that Breeders' Cup pick 5 That uh, that has the first 5 races uh, The first 5 Breeders' Cup races Going you know, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 on Friday So that's what's nice about this weekend uh, Barry is uh, you can I mean what's it shouldn't be a seven to five ending a pick five that had a couple other chalks along the way. And usually on Breeders' Cup Day, if we're going to have one of them, there's usually at least a bomb or some chaos along the way. Yeah, this year in particular, I mean, there, I mean, I, I would think Jackie's Warrior might be the biggest favorite of the both days. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all the other races are highly, highly competitive. I, I know, I think it was the mile where I just don't like any of those horses and it could be a free for all. So, you know, there, there's value there. You just got to kind of, you know, concentrate on, on, on getting your bet, um, you know, your bets together and, and, and finding that value to make sure that you, you strike it and, and hit it and make them pay when you're right. Really got to give you a, a a big thank you because you recording this super early with me on Tuesday morning. It's a big help because I'm I'm getting uh, interviews done with everybody for each race. So you made my job super easy. Let the folks out there know where can we follow you along on social media. I know you're always out there uh, posting on big race days too, giving some of your opinions on um, horses you played or or how things happened before or after the race. And uh, this is a big week, so I'm sure a lot of the folks out there who are Fans of yours would love to to stay in touch. Absolutely, I'm at at Urban Handicapper. It's U R B N Handicapper, and you can catch me on uh, Going in Circles podcast with Chuck Simon every Monday. Big Monday, baby! Awesome. Make sure to download and subscribe the, to that one for Barry. Barry, man, thank you so much. Good luck this weekend. I'll be going back and forth uh, with you. I'll be sending some messages, see how you're doing, and uh, and uh, let's uh, do a great job here in the juvenile. All right, man. Appreciate it. Let's go get that money. Oh, yeah. That is Barry Spears, folks. You heard how to follow him uh, along on social media. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with much more on That's What G Said. I just love this show. Uh, Mandalore. Big thanks to Barry for talking BC Juvenile. So I really like the five. Um, 
essential quality. I think he's got the opportunity here because I'm just not as as high on Jackie's warrior, who I completely respect. I'm just uh, concerned that there's going to be a little more speed in here. You have uh, horses like reinvestment risk is going to be stalking but likable is going to be pushing right there essential quality is going to be close classier is a, a real wild card dreamers disease is not exactly slow next is not exactly slow i think jackie's warrior is going to have to work pretty hard i'm really expecting calibrate to show a lot more speed too more like he did in his debut he's hung way out wide in post 14 so you'd imagine he's going to try to have to send from out there to, to get closer I don't think it's going to be as e- quite as easy for Jackie's Warrior, so it's going to be five for me all over the place. Um, and then, of course, if you're going to be spreading out and, and singling in, in another spot, you're, you're probably going to be using Jackie's Warrior. But I, I think the three reinvestment risk is another one to use. The four who Barry and I both like, likable there. And uh, and then the eight class here, the nine sitting on go as the other horses who I would include in some of them. It just kind of depends on how you want to include Jackie's Warrior. For me, I prefer essential quality. So what that does is if, if I'm looking at the pick five for Breeders' Cup pick five, there are three different horses I'm going to build my tickets around. And one of them is in the seventh race, the number two, New Mandate. The other is in the 8th race, the number 3, Day Out of the Office. And the other is in the 10th race, the number 5, Essential Quality. I think those three, I will play tickets singling them and then giving me opportunity to spread out in in other races and use a couple others there um, who you've heard me kind of go through and rank them all in the... So it would be a spread out race in the 6th, spread out race in the ninth, and then I would, you know, go deeper on some of the other tickets where I, I don't single a horse. And so those are the three for me that I'm building the Breeders' Cup tickets around. Seventh race, new mandate. Eighth race, day, at, day out of the office. Tenth race, essential quality. If one of those three hits, I'm, I'm probably going to I'm gonna try to set myself up so I should have a lot of opportunity to cash a pick five if one of those horses wins. And um, I'll be looking at their individual prices, in particular new mandate. Anything around six to one or so, I'll make a win wager on uh, on that one good luck on friday breeders cup friday and don't forget about the saturday breeders cup show where we've got the same thing going for you we're gonna preview the undercard races real quick and then every breeders cup saturday race discussed with a different guest in depth and we get even a little more to be honest the friday races are juvenile races which means they're younger horses which means we just don't have as much of a sample size on them. We don't have as much to discuss about them. They've run less times. We just know them less. Some of these horses in the Saturday races that have been around for a while, we we spent quite a bit of time on some of those races going horse by horse. So hope you'll uh, you'll also tune in to the Saturday Breeders' Cup recap show, a Breeders' Cup preview show where we go through everything for you for Saturday. We close things out with a recap spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert alert we're going to talk about what happened in mandalorian season two episode one so if you have not seen it you probably want to to turn the 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 pod off now and come back and listen after you have watched okay one two three we're going to start talking about mandalorian Mandalorian on disney plus just started now with uh, with season two episode one we had a long one too this was about 50 55 minutes or so which is a, a lot longer than the normal mandalorian episodes and i'm not a a, a star wars um 
expert. I've watched them all. I love them all. I've watched them all a bunch and rewatch and I'm always very interested when new new Star Wars movies or um, any kind of Star Wars stuff comes out, but I definitely don't know. I haven't read a ton of books or comics or any any kind of thing like that. So a lot of rumors and things I hear are just stuff that I've read from other places, but there were a lot of cool little nuggets, little Easter eggs in this show, a lot of tiebacks to different things from different store, the whole Star Wars universe. And it gives you some of those warm, fuzzy feelings when you're like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, they're on Tatooine here. Is that the pod racer that was Anakin's? Was just lots of like Bubba Fett's arm. Like, what is going on? So, this uh, this episode I really really enjoyed. It's called the the Marshal, and what we see is a return to Tatooine. Um, what's happening is the Mando. Is trying to find other Mandos who can help him take the child back to the Jedi, and um, he has found someone who has is supposedly has some information on um, where there is a, a Mandalorian. So he goes to inspect and, and to try to find out. And of course, the the situation that he gets himself into, he's in like uh, the seedy bar where there's fighting going on, and of course they they see uh, the the little baby Yodes. And everyone in there, and so everywhere Mando goes, he, you know, he's going to be drawing a ton of attention. Of course, he has to uh, use some of his fighting skills. He quickly dispatches of them, and he's able to get the information that he wanted and find out that the there is a Mandalorian uh, supposedly on Tatooine. Doesn't know much more than that. So, what does this mean? Tatooine, a Mandalorian. We start all getting all the Bubba Fett ties in. Now you start thinking about the timeline of where Bubba Fett is. It should be. Did he die? This, this. What's happened? How old should he be here? And this is something to keep in the back of your head uh, throughout the episode because Mando goes to to find some help from his friend. Remember uh, uh, the crazy woman. Who uh, just loves the child and helped uh, Mando babysit the child there? That is uh, Pelimato. And one thing we see too is how the the Mando is starting to change. Right? Remember, he was still sort of aggressive early on in season one. We didn't really know what his moral compass was like, and he's becoming more and more of like a father figure to the child. And just more compassionate in general. He doesn't have that disdain for uh, the droids anymore after what he experienced and the help that he got from a droid at the end of of season one. So he asks uh, his friend here, who who is also going to help uh, clean up the ship and, and repair it, to you know uh, to give him some directions to Moss Polgo, and it's the place that. She said it's an old place that was wiped out and it's not even really located, but it's on a map and with this weird unmarking and just something, there's something fishy, there's something off. So this is where the Mando is supposed to be, the the other Mandalorian that, uh, that Mando is looking for. So he uses a speeder and he goes to, to check things out and he walks into a, a bar and then quickly... Somebody walks in and it looks like it's Bubba Fett. I mean, we've got the same armor. Everything. And this is actually Vanth, 
who is played by actor Timothy Oliphant, who does a great job here. This role, it fits him so perfectly. He's sort of like the shady, he's not shady, he's like a Robin Hood kind of character. He's doing what's best for the people, he doesn't mind Robin from the rich to, to help the poor. And so that's sort of what he's done here. He's come across this this armor, and with the armor, he's been able to take care of this town, save them from raiders and become basically the mayor of of this town. And so what Mandalorian finds him initially he's pissed off because this guy shouldn't have the the armor on. And he could tell we 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 know right away it's this he's not a real Mando because he takes his helmet off instantly. So as they're about to get ready to fight the the whole place shakes and we see this crazy crazy Crate dragon, a creature that has been referenced throughout a uh, Star Wars lineage a couple different times, and the the CGI and the way this monster looks is probably better than anything we've seen in any Star Wars. It is incredible uh, the the look, the size, the ferocity. Really, really great episode. And, and so, what ends up happening is the two. Uh, so Mandalorian and uh, and Vanth they have to come to an agreement. Vanth says, "Hey, I'll give you this armor if you can help me get rid of this this big dragon that's been terrorizing this town because it's killing people and, and plucking them off one at a time." So Mandalo agrees, but he goes to ask for help from the Tusken Raiders because. They know the lay of the land a little bit better, and this small town is going to be no match for that massive crate dragon. So now, like every episode of Mandalorian, there's a big picture going on, right? Overall, he's trying to get the babe, the child, home safely back to the the Jedi. But in every episode, he has this. Different encounter with the new characters, with some monsters, big something big that he has to overcome, and and that's what ends up here. Now they have to plan how they're going to kill this dragon, so that way he can get the uh, the Mandalorian armor, um, and and then be on his way and, and try to find uh you know where he can get more information about what he has to do to to return the kid home safely. And so they hatch this this crazy plan. And while they're inspecting it, there's this cool throwback where Vanth is on Anakin Skywalker's old pod racer. I mean, that's a boom instant. Like, oh, wow. And there's some hostility between the Tusken Raiders and the people of that local town because the Raiders have come in and killed some of the people in the town, but they both will get wiped out if they can't work together and take care of this crate dragon. So Vanth is able to convince the people of the town that they all need to work together. Mandalorian's kind of uh, you know, the go-between with a lot of this because he's able to communicate with everybody on all sides. And so Vanth and Mando sort of lead up the plan to try to get rid of this crate dragon and... Initially, it's just not working. They've got a ton of explosives. They're attaching them to uh, to banthas to try to lure this thing out and blow them up. They have heard that the stomach is the weakness, but they can't get cl- anything close enough to to make any sort of a dent. And 
Mando lets the dragon swallow him and a bantha with a bunch of explosives. And from inside, he shocks the dragon, he blows it up, and and him and the poor bantha. And, and now the dragon's dead. And Mandalorian gets the armor, the Tuscans and the townspeople are able to coexist here. And this is a cool throwback to Bubba Fett. And the jetpack, what happened with him with the Sarlacc pit. And there's just so many cool things to tie back and forth. And like I said, I'm not even one who notices a billion of the little things. I'm only noticing small things here and there. So Mando uh, is on his way. He's got the armor now. And the the thing that happens at the end is is very is there's lots of rumors flying around, but it, it does look like we are going to see Bubba Fett. Because uh, Mando is heading back to Mos Eisley. And we see a figure that's got some weapons on, on his back watching. And it's uh, the man who played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones. And Commander Cody in Revenge of the Sith. And and there's a big thought that this is Bubba Fett. So... Really exciting on where we're going next. This is, to me, one of the few still week-to-week shows that I'm actually out there watching. Stephanie and I are really excited every time this one comes on. We watch it instantly. We stay up late a lot of the time. And now with this whole, is this Bubba Fett? Are we going to see Bubba Fett next week? Are we going to just get an episode that's got nothing at all going on related to what we just saw? I don't think so. I think we're going to start to pick it up. Um, it didn't, no slow start with this episode a lot of action visually it was great and um, I, I love the the interactions with the Mando and the uh, the quote unquote fake Mando I love this show The Mandalorian that was season 2 episode 1 we will talk each and every episode of The Mandalorian here on That's What G Said and that is going to do it for us on this episode. A big thank you to all the sponsors of That's What G Said. A big thank you to all the guests who joined us, uh, specifically Bree Mott, Brian Aragoni, Sean Alvarez, Ryan Dickey, Andy Villanueva, Barry Spears. We will have even more for you for Breeders' Cup Saturday. That might have to be broken into two different shows. I'll just see how long it is. It may not even be long uh, enough to get on to one, but uh, I'll continue to post all the uh, the time codes and everything. Make sure to pay attention so that way you can skip around. If you want to go to, to race, to race, to race, download, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends. Our numbers have been great as of late. We've been really, really like breaking records uh, the last few weeks, so thank you to everyone for listening. Joey, take it away.